Welcome to Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 13th, 1997. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you all good evening or good morning, depending upon your time zone. And there are many stretching from the Tahitian and Hawaiian Island chains in the west, east to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands with those soft, warm breezes. South into South America, really warm, and north to the pole, really cold. <laughs> Worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM. Good morning. Open line night tonight, Friday night, Saturday morning. Look out. And I mean look out. Anything can happen. Well, it's not really news now. Um, Timothy McVeigh has received the death penalty for the death of 168 people in Oklahoma at the uh, Murrah Building. And the press led today with McVeigh did not blink, nor did he wince, as the death penalty was read to him. To that I say, me either. I didn't wince. I didn't blink. I think he is uh, totally deserving of what he is going to get, and I might add that he may get it sooner than he thinks. Usually these things drag on 10 or 12 years, but... They've changed a little bit of that, and it could happen now within just a few years, giving him time to think of the uh, of the prick of the needle and the long kiss goodnight. To quote a recent movie. It was a pretty good movie, too, by the way. Anybody see Long Kiss Goodnight? I saw that the other day. Good movie. So... Um, I really agree with the assessment of uh, reaction. Uh, the press has it right. He didn't blink, he didn't wink, and I didn't either. I thought simply, right on. Does that make me a cold, cold person? I don't know. Hi, Art. Is there, uh, if there was any chance for McVeigh to get light behind bars instead of death, his own defense team ruined it for him. This is from Scott in Butte Creek uh, Farm, Oregon. For weeks, they portrayed him as an innocent man. Then, after being found guilty, they practically admitted his guilt in the penalty phase. Just because the jury found him guilty doesn't mean uh, that all were equally convicted of his guilt. Uh, in other words, convinced. Finding him guilty was easier than sentencing him to death. That's probably true. The defense team should have maintained his innocence throughout the penalty phase. Uh, they would have had better luck finding one juror that was not 100% sure of McVeigh's guilt and then built, building on that sliver of doubt to save his life. Um, Scott, you and I disagree. Uh, frankly, I think he is going to get uh, precisely what he deserves. Uh, I could only wish that it would be quicker, that the appeals process could be shorter, and that his dispatch would be timely. So anything that uh, comes out to years is too long as far as I am concerned. And that, of course, uh, occupied uh, uh, center uh, stage all day long in the mass media. Well, I'll tell you, it has been quite a week, hasn't it? There is a new dinosaur, a new one, the new dinosaur taking its place of honor in a Philadelphia museum Friday has left T-Rex 
skulking in the background. <laughs> the first reconstructed skeleton of a Gigantosaurus. Good name, huh? Gigantosaurus. A fearsome, I'm, I'm quoting now Reuters, folks, a fearsome flesh-ripping predator whose bones were discovered in Argentina in 1993, sounds like my cat, went on display at the Academy of Natural Sciences of Philadelphia. The dinosaur was, get this, an estimated 45 to 47 feet long, good Lord, weighed 8 tons when it roamed what is now South America about 100 million years ago. It now eclipses Trionosaurus rex as the largest meat-eating dinosaur ever known. Ooh, that's a big dinosaur, isn't it? Uh, today on the radio, it was sent to me by Paul in Mitchell, South Dakota, that bookmakers in Britain have now changed the odds of finding intelligent life. Now, go figure on this one, folks. The odds of finding intelligent life, according to the bookmakers in England, were a thousand to one. Today, the odds changed from 33, uh, from 1,001 to 33 to 1. Uh, Paul says, how long do you think it's going to be before it's even money? Now, my question would be, what could possibly, possibly possess the odds makers in England to move the odds from 1,000 to 1 to 33 to 1? That's impossible. Now, I could understand that uh, contemporary thinking alone might reduce the odds from 1,000 uh, to 1 to 900 to 1, or maybe even 800 to 1. But what is it the bookmakers in England know that would make them change the odds from 1,000 to 1 to 33 to 1? That's really worth a little bit of thought. A man who was pronounced dead on arrival at Overlake Hospital Medical Center after a gun range shooting today showed signs of life minutes later. According to KIRO-TV, hospital officials said, get this, the 27-year-old Seattle man apparently spontaneously resuscitated and is now in extremely critical condition. That's an interesting phrase, spontaneously resuscitated. <laughs> the shooting occurred at Wade's Eastside Gun Shop and Range. Please say the man, who was not immediately identified, had fired one box of 50 rounds and was beginning on a second box when he fell to the ground at about 2.30 p.m. Gun range owner, uh, the gun range owner, says a surveillance camera shows the man putting a 9mm gun to the side of his own head. So in other words, this guy put a 9mm bullet in his head, fell over dead, and then spontaneously resuscitated, and is now in extremely critical condition. Ooh, isn't that something? Here's kind of an interesting article. Man and his best friend, well now, you know, they're saying that's the dog, of course. 
have been pals for more than 100,000 years, far longer than previously thought new genetic evidence shows. Huh. The San Francisco Examiner ran this story. Now, wait a minute. Now, man is supposed to have only been around for 6,000 years, I think. Isn't that what the Bible says? So how could man have been best friends with the dog for 100,000 years? Anyway, dogs were probably begging for dinner scraps back when humans were just nomadic hunter-gatherers long before the establishment of agricultural uh, societies, according to research from an international team of scientists published in Thursday's issue of the journal Science, the prestigious journal Science. Oh, by the way, speaking of prestigious, I have, um, I've been nominated, uh, it seems. We were notified today, network got a call today, uh, by the National Association of Broadcasters, I don't know, committee? Or whatever they've got as one of the five finalists for the Marconi Award for something like the best syndicated radio talk show or some host or something like that. Um, so, so we put up a, um, a link on the, on the website to the um, National Association of Broadcasters website, and there you can read um, the various uh, categories of finalists, and I guess it will be announced in September at the NAB conference, which is going to be down in uh, New Orleans. New Orleans? So it looks like I'm going to get to go to New Orleans. If it turns out to be one of those things where it's the envelope, please. And uh, I think I, I joined company with Howard Stern and Laura Schlesinger and a couple of others, Sports Girl and I forget who else. Uh, anyway, we've got a link if you want to see that. So I have been nominated for the prestigious Marconi Award. It is a big one in uh, radio broadcasting. Uh, shortly, we will have uh, up there once again the St. Louis Dispatch uh, Post article on me. That's also new on the website, entitled Broadcasting the Bazaar. Also new on the website, you can be part of a poll regarding your opinions on extraterrestrial life. So if you want to be part of that poll, you can go up there and take part of that uh, it, part in that too. All of that, and of course, my proud new three webcams. Last weekend, I worked myself to the bone, and I got three webcams installed with a sequencer so that it keeps sending different shots of me doing the radio show up to the website. So if you go up there and click on Studio Cam, here I will be, refreshed about every 45 seconds or so, depending upon your browser and service and all that. And you'll see a different picture of me doing whatever it is I do here in the studio. It's kind of neat. All right, so... 
Coming up in a moment, we are going to do nothing but open lines. Now, when I do open lines, it gets a little... Oh, there is one thing that I am going to do tonight <laughs> that involves time travel. And this was an idea that sort of germinated earlier in the week. I forget I had a guest on, and we were doing something, and we were talking about time travel. And I said, you know, that's something I have never done. Now, maybe there are time travelers out there, right? We don't know for sure one way or the other. Maybe they're out there, time travelers. So think about this. There could be people uh, either, depending on what you believe, from our past, because maybe somebody secretly developed time travel some time ago, or the far distant future, a more likely prospect, or none at all, a distinct possibility. But I have the power to find out. I will open a line for time travelers. I intend to call it my timeline. <laughs> timeline. As a matter of fact, I think the reason I'm doing it is because, uh, other than natural curiosity, I am so enamored of the name Timeline that I can't resist. So, now I want to specify here. There's only one category of time traveler I'm going to accept, and that is time travelers who have, have, have actually traveled physically in time. Not some mental process. Uh, not somebody who has um, a claim to uh, have gone into a trance and gone zooming forward to whatever year or reverse. I'm talking about knob-twisting, lever-pulling time travelers. You know, like in the tradition of the time machine. Only time travelers. Physical Time travelers need apply. Okay, um, all right, uh, once again, I want to lay out my one special line. And woe is the person who breaks the rules because I have a very good memory for voices. I am now establishing what I am calling my time line, which means only time travelers need call. Now, do I mean people who have traversed a time zone in an airplane? No. Do I mean people who claim to have gone into a trance and traveled in time? No. What do I mean then? I mean people who have twisted dials, used machines, pulled levers in the finest tradition of Mr. Wells, that kind of time traveler. And I will accept uh, applicants from either the future or the past. <laughs> what do you think the odds are, the British are setting odds on this kind of thing, that I can find somebody who sounds like they really are a time traveler? Now, 
Here's what I would say to those who would say nobody is going to call because of the paradox question. They would never go on the air because of the paradox question, announcing their presence. Well, calling my program, though, is no problem. There's no paradox question involved because most of the people aren't going to believe it anyway. Or will they? At any rate, the fact that so many will not, no matter how sincere the apparent presentation, uh, I think that that uh, erases the possibility of a paradox problem. So um, one could imagine that uh, somebody out there who's a tra time traveler really would call up and, uh, and admit to that fact. But I am going to accept only those who claim to be real-time travelers. Now, away we go. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Yeah, hi, Art. This is Scott in Denver. Hi, Scott. Uh, you're going to have to yell at us. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a 900 megahertz phone, but it's not digital. <laughs> um, I wanted to clear up something. That you you uh, were talking to Doug last night on your show. Yes. And you brought up the, uh, the fact of Levitron. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about these clouds of energy or whatever floating around. Yes. Affecting the Levitron. Yes. Okay. I found out that when uh, the Levitron changes and you have to change the weight slightly. Yes. It's because of air temperature change or the change of the temperature of the magnets. Well. Because I took it. These are, let me tell you something. Um, these are theories. Mm-hmm. They're theories. They, yeah. they honestly, nobody knows quite for sure, uh, as a matter of fact, even why the Levitron works. Uh, one night I'm going to have the inventor of the Levitron on. It has been offered to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like a commercial, so I've been a little hesitant to do it. He is a physicist, and I would like to know how much he understands. What I do know is that he doesn't fully understand why it works. Yeah. Yeah, and so if he doesn't, uh, the odds are pretty good you and I won't. Yeah, well, I just wanted to mention, you know, that, that if you take the uh, the top itself and stick it in the freezer for a few minutes yeah. and then pull it back out and spin it, you have to, I, if yeah, you but remember, you're, I have you're, to add a lot of weight. Uh, yeah, but you're forgetting, you're forgetting something. What happens to metal when you get it very cold? When it expands. Uh, no, it, no, it contracts. Yeah, it contracts. The opposite. It contracts. Yeah. And so then the weights and the little uh, spacers that you've got on the Levitron top uh, may be in some way affected. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, temperature change really, really does affect it. Uh, well, I can imagine it would, but I'm not sure that it's for the reason that you think. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate okay. the call. Thank you. Um, Yes, very interesting. All right, my timeline, and only those who have actually traveled in time need apply, is 1, area code 702-727-1222. Remember, no head trips, no airplane trips, no dreams, only those who have actually physically traveled in time. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. Somewhere in Time. 
with Art Bell continues, courtesy of Premier Networks. Oh, I, I really like this thing. The reggae beat part is great. Anybody out there know what movie this came from? See if you can figure out what movie this came from. Boy, did I have a hard time tracking it down. You'll never know. Well, anyway, um, Art, have you found that black-hearted witch yet? All I've heard is a collection of white magic dabblers that occasionally are a little naughty and two neutral gray wizards that seem very impressed with themselves for having mastered some low-level uh, uh, Wicca spells. Do I get to say I told you so? This is from Russell the Rascal in Kansas City, Missouri. No, 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 I've, I've got my witch. Actually, I've got a couple of them. We're talking uh, cauldron-stirring, spell-casting, broom-riding, witches kind that a house would fall on. I found them. I've got them. I just haven't put them on the air yet. But I've got them. So, no, I get to tell you I told you so. <laughs> All right, well, let's give it a try. Uh, here's my first entrant on my timeline. Top of the morning to you. Where are you, please? Or when are you, or something? I'm in uh, Southern California. My name is Joyce. Well, actually, Joyce, Southern California has always been okay. on kind of a different timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this one was uh, <laughs> uh, quite one. It's uh, There's an elevator in a hospital here, and it has quite a reputation for uh, people getting on and the doors opening in a different time and space. Now you're talking. <laughs> I want, does it depend on what floor you push? Yes, the second floor. You get on the elevator and you push. Uh, is there is there actually a second floor? Yes. Uh, you put, you know, there's four floors in the does, elevator. Does it, ma oh, does it matter where you get on? doesn't matter where you get on. When you press that, uh, and the elevator, it's uh, just the one elevator, and it's in the east, southeast wing. Well, now this is fairly cool. Now, um, uh, have you ever experienced the uh, ultimate elevator ride to floor yes. two? All right, <laughs> I, let's hear about it. What I, happened? I experienced it, uh, and I didn't know that this was going on. I'd worked in the hospital for about three years, and I uh, was sent up to uh, intensive care. I worked in medical records. I was sent to intensive care to pick up some records. I got on the elevator, pushed the button, and the doors opened, and I stepped out of the elevator and walked over, and there's a, a palm button on the wall. You press the... A what? Wait a minute. A palm a, button? Yeah, it's a, it's a big uh, button on the wall, and you push that to activate the doors. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, into, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and into the intensive care. Yes. Okay, my mind is just on my work, so I get off... And I go over and I reach up to press the button and there's no button. And I turn around and look at the doors. They're not automatic doors. They are wooden uh, wow. doors. Wow. Wow. in and out. Yes. And uh, so I thought, 
well, that's strange. I thought intensive care had a button. <laughs> and I walked through the doors. Uh, now, let us let us clarify here before we continue. Um, you you were a hospital worker going to intensive care, not somebody in intensive no, care. No, right? I was the worker. Right. I worked there in the hospital. It's an important distinction considering the discussion. All right, so. Okay, yes, I worked in medical records. Okay. And I went up to get to pick up some records. That they I, needed. I've got you, yes. Now, now, there was a wooden door only, no button. Yeah, and and I, what about what about the surroundings? What about, I mean, did it otherwise appear the same? Was the furniture different? Uh, oh. The people, what, what? Okay, when I went, okay, I stepped through the door. Uh, I was in a, in, I was in an opera, I was in a hospital. Yes. But where I was at never existed in our hospital on that floor and on that wing. But the first thing I noticed was that uh, across from me there were uh, was an operating room and there were doctors operating on someone. And the doors were open. I could see in, and it looked uh, uh, to me to be like I was in the late 30s or early 40s. Wow. I looked down the hall, and there was uh, a man and a woman and two sons, that's what I was when I looked to my right down the hall, and the man would walk over and look through a window. So I thought down at that end there must be something going on where he could look through the window. And uh, the boys were dressed pretty much the way my brothers dressed in the early 40s, in those little suits and sports suits. Oh, yeah. They're all yes, dressed up yes, real yes. fancy. They looked at me, and I looked at them. <laughs> And they didn't even bat an eye, you know. They, they, and then they just went, then they were... Uh, were you in some kind of hospital garb? No, I was in... Uh, civvies. In civvies. Okay. Uh, so they didn't bat an eye at you? No. <laughs> and, and so I'm still thinking, what is this? And then I looked uh, across, and there were some stairs that went down, which there's no stairs there. Uh, should be any stairs there. Uh, and next to the stairs was a mop bucket with a mop in it. Yes. And I thought, well, what's that doing here? Because in uh, today's hospitals, there's no such thing. If Your you have a, story is, is holding up very well here. Oh, this is a, this is a fact. <laughs> I know. You're doing very well. I must say, you're doing very well. Yeah, so this mop bucket... Okay, and uh, in today's hospitals, if you have a mess, you call housekeeping, and they bring a bucket up and clean it up. Sure. You don't have any buckets laying around. I understand. Then, oh, next, I looked, I was looking down the other way, and here's the laundry basket. I mean, one of those big laundry carts. Sure. And it's full of dirty laundry. That's another no-no. <laughs> then a man walks past me, and he glances at me. He yeah. comes down the hall. And then he goes through another set of double doors. That would be, that was uh, to my uh, left. Okay. And that's where intensive care was supposed to be. But, but instead, what was there? <laughs> that was those double doors. Those double so, doors. Yeah, and he went through them, so I thought, well, that's where intensive care was yesterday. <laughs> 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 okay. So I walked, so I started to follow him. Right. And I got my hand up on the door to push through the door, and 
I wanted to go through the door, but something inside of me kept saying, don't go through the door. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I turned around, and I went back out, and back outside to the elevator area. And there was uh, a stairway. And I ran down the stairs, because by this time I knew something was terribly wrong. Right. And I uh, ran down uh, uh, medical records on the ground floor. So sure. I had to run down two flights of stairs. Sure. And when I came out, I was back in my own time and place. Well, that's one hell of a story. So then, uh, the, at the break, I was telling the, the girls that there's about a dozen of us that, that uh, take our breaks in the same area. And, and I was telling them about it. And they said, guess what? And they said, guess what? <laughs> yeah. And the one girl told of her experience of getting on the elevator. And on the, uh, that'd be the, see the fifth, there was a, there's a fifth floor, but it's the doctor's rooms. And you have to have a key to get to the fifth floor. Right. So when she got on the elevator and pressed the button, uh, the doors opened and it was real dark. And she thought that a doctor had taken her up to the doctor's area. Mm -hmm. So she said, well, <laughs> no, no doctor got on. There was no doctor there. And she pressed the button and came back down. And then she realized that it would not be dark. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to contact me privately okay. and give me the name of the hospital okay would you do that uh, how do i do that now um oh uh, your preference you can send me email uh if you have oh. that ability yeah you, you do well oh i i don't where i'm at now oh <laughs> uh, well if you can do it anywhere it's artbell at aol.com aol.com yep um or you can write to me or you can send me a fax Okay. Or you can send a pigeon. Okay. All right, I'll look forward to it. Thank you very much. That was a good story. Now, that was the spirit that I'm after here. Actually, you know what? I kind of believe that story. How about how about you? I kind of believe it. That was told very well. Either that was um, very well told and thought out, or it was real. You tell me. A man, a normal hospital clerk, goes for a short elevator ride. But does he go to the floor he thinks he's going to? No, ladies and gentlemen. He goes to another time. Oh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello there. This is Fritz calling from Phoenix. Well, Fritz... In open line, I can't believe it. How you doing? Fine, fine. Well, I'm, the reason I'm calling is it was three months ago. Phoenix experienced the mother of all UFO sightings. Mothership, actually. Over a metropolitan area by a large ship. Yes. Yes, and I am curious, Fritz. You are pretty much of a skeptic in a lot of areas. What do you mean, skeptic? Uh, well, you're a skeptic in in some areas. I've heard you be very skeptical of many guests I've had on. Well, um, especially so at times. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, fine. Uh, so, now, what do you think about your own sighting there in Phoenix? Well, let me give you my scenario. Please. Uh, Independence Day 
was about uh, released about a year ago. Alien technology, you know, coming to this world. Oh, yeah. Alien trashing. Big ships. Ma Mars attack. Alien trashing. Yep. Television series Dark Skies. Alien trashing. Yes. Coming soon, Men in Black. Comedy. Yes. Alien trashing. Yes. And let's don't forget that the first week in May, Invasion was a four-hour miniseries by NBC. You betcha. Alien trashing. And where did it take place? The, the Heaven's Gate, you know, the gateway yes. was over Phoenix. That's what's supposed to be. The bad aliens were supposed to come in here. So put it this way. The aliens think like we do, uh, the people, they have a collective consciousness. They made a statement. That's my scenario, my opinion. They why do you think, why, no, no. Why do you, wait, wait, a, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why do you think they chose your town? Phoenix, because, again, the four-hour miniseries were filmed here in Phoenix for many months, and it was a four-hour series between Sunday and Monday, and the invasion took place over Phoenix. So they decided, well, look, Earthlings, we come in peace. We mean you no harm. Here we make a, just a statement, hello there. And they just showed up. So you think it was an absolutely valid sighting? Absolutely. All right. Um, no ha have you been following uh, your city council member there that oh, I yes, yes, of I course. interviewed? How's she, how's she doing, Fritz? Well, I haven't heard anything for the last few weeks, but tonight one of the local channels had a nice uh, five minutes uh, synapses about the sightings three months ago. Well, good. But uh, this is fine. my opinion that the upstairs people say finally, hey, guys, we come in peace. And enough is enough with alien trashing. Let's be a little bit more positive. Oh, I like it. I like it. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, that's Fritz in Phoenix. And uh, so obviously he believes that uh, it was absolutely valid. It was, it was a magnificent sighting. And by the way, I need some good photography or a snappy of the... Um, of the lights over Phoenix. Have you noticed how absent that is anywhere on the web? I'm going to change that. If anybody out there has a good snappy, a good photograph of the lights over Phoenix, I want to get it up on the website, so would you please send it uh, to me? Email at artbell at aol.com. I've had a very hard time keeping my mailbox um, empty uh, or even close to empty, and a lot of people have been getting return mail because of a full mailbox. So um, you can also send it, I think, to webmaster at primenet.com. But I would like to get a good photograph. Boy, I hope I'm right about that. If I'm wrong, Keith, tell me. I think it's webmaster at primenet.com, something like that. And we'll get a good photograph of the uh, actual lights or craft, if you will, that was above Phoenix. It's uh, been missing. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Where are you? Oh, oh I see that I have to turn my radio down here. Yes, that's a... Okay. Um, I guess it's open line tonight. It would, it would seem so. I guess. I, I just tuned in. Um, 
I was wondering if you've ever had Dr. Brzezinski on your show. I invited him on. Oh, and, please, uh, yeah, no, I inv listen, I invited him on, and uh, I'm going to tell you what his people said. They said he can't stay up late. And if he was going to come on the show, he could only stay for 15 minutes. And I don't have guests for 15 minutes. It's unbelievable because that, that man has been trying to get his um, uh, medicine across for the last 30 I know years. it. I know it. I know it. And I called. I'm telling you what happened. And I said, they said 15 minutes max, and I said, no, thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, I have a niece that has some kind of immune deficiency. Yes. And they don't know what is causing it. And I listened to your show one night, and you had someone on that was talking about germ warfare. Joyce, they, Joyce Riley, and, um, and it's, uh, it's the Gulf War Syndrome, and uh, that is being no, treated. No, 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 that's not the one. It was someone else that was some doctor that um, and you were talking about um, where they attach, uh, you can attach a leukemia to a um, 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 influenza virus. To it, they attach what? Uh, you can attach leukemia, like leukemia, to an influenza virus. Uh, and they can spread it wrong. Yes, 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 Germany, yes. In other, in other words. Um, to be clear here, what they do is they're learning how to attach um, things that will actually make a genetic change in you to a virus. Uh, and they use that as, I'm trying to think of the right word, um, and I can't, uh, but they use that as the vehicle to get it into your body. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, my niece, right, um, um, I talked to my sister, which is uh, the grandma of this of niece, and um, she was telling me about, um, oh, her, her name is Kelly, and she has this uh, immune deficiency. Yes, yes. They said they tried, did everything to try to find out what's wrong with her and all the tests. And um, now she said they're going to take blood, and they're not going to charge to take this blood. They're sending it. You said that there's a, some doctor in Germany uh, on the show. They said there was some doctor in Germany that had, had first started this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I don't remember what you're discussing uh, uh, beyond mm -hmm. that. I, I don't, uh, I'm sorry. Some doctor in Germany, I, I don't recall exactly um, that discussion at all. It may have been on another show. Vector, that's the word that I was after. Uh, they are learning to, in fact, that may be an eventual uh, way to go after AIDS and other diseases of that sort. Uh, Lyme disease, uh, immune deficiency diseases, uh, they will make a genetic change that they will vector in with either the common cold or a flu virus. It's fascinating. First time caller line, you're on the air. No, wait a minute. This is my yeah, time. My radio it's my time travel line. What are, my timeline? What am I talking about? Yes, sir. Ha, I've you... traveled. I've... Is this Art Bell? Why? Yes, it is. Okay, well, let me turn my radio down here, and, uh... Yes. Okay. I'm okay, going to tell you, Art. Um, yes. My name is Darren. I'm yes. calling from Kodiak, Alaska. Okay. I'm a commercial fisherman up here for years, and, uh, time travel is definitely possible because I have experienced it. 
Um, all right. Kodiak is an island. When we talk to Kodiak and people like you, we get a delay on the telephone. I'm coming to a break at the top of the hour. I'm coming to a break, and you would have to hold all the way through the news. Can you do that, or do you want to call back? Yeah, you bet. I'd love to. All right. Then hold on in Kodiak Island, Alaska, and uh, and we'll see. He says he claims he's traveled in time, and that's exactly what we want on the timeline. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 13, 1997. Good morning, everybody. Anybody could be that guy. It's an open line night. The night is young. Doing a few strange things tonight. We'll get to them in a moment, and I'll sort of update you on what's going on. But I've got... Well, I guess I'd better tell you about the one uh, strange thing I'm doing. And uh, here it is. I believe that time travel may be possible. Now, from time to time, as you all know, I open special lines for special people. Sometimes they're not even people. <laughs> Tonight, um, I want time travelers to call. Now, I don't care whether you have come to us from the future or come to us from the past. Or whether you have simply, uh, whether you're in the present and you have traveled to the future or the past. Now, here are the conditions for uh, applying to be on my timeline. It must be physical time travel. In other words, uh, you cannot have uh, gone into a trance and gone zooming into some other time. That doesn't count. Airplane rides across time zones do not count. Only... In the finest tradition of H.G. Wells, or something close, with buttons and canobins and levers and so forth, uh, did you travel in time? If you did, then you are eligible to call and tell your story on my timeline, which is area code 702-727-1222. Now, rather than launch into a... Uh, a recap of uh, what I want to talk about, um, or what we can't, could talk about. I mean, I don't care. You can talk about anything you want. Uh, the McVeigh verdict and so forth. I'll get to that in a moment. We have a caller from Kodiak Island, Alaska, where things are a, a little different. It takes them, uh, there's a little phone delay. Uh, but this uh, man uh, claims to be a time traveler. Uh, are you there, sir? Yeah, I'm right here. How are you tonight? Um, I'm just fine, and remembering the delay that we have in the phone system here when you guys call south, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? You're in the fishing industry there, as most of Kodiak is, I suppose. Well, I used to be in the fishing industry, but unfortunately uh, we don't have much of a salmon price up here anymore, so uh, I retired from commercial fishing. So uh, uh, this is back when I used to fish. This uh, This event happened, but... I'll tell you what happened. A few years ago, uh, 
me and my crew uh, have a four, had a 45-foot saner. We're on the west side of the island here, uh, coming back to town. Uh, the island is uh, approximately uh, 150 miles long. So I was on the west side of the island, heading back to town after a salmon opening. And uh, every, uh, every night we get a local weather forecast from our local weather stations. And uh, this particular night we had a good forecast, so I thought nothing of it. So I was heading back to town. And uh, we get up by Cape Barnabas here on the west side of the island, and all of a sudden we uh, run into this strange weather pattern. Uh, we get this uh, heavy fog bank with uh, swirling winds, and that's kind of uh, uh, kind of odd because when you have fog, you usually don't have wind. Oh, uh, that's, wind, that's exactly right. This uh, sounds yeah. a lot like the Bermuda Triangle. Exactly. It was, it was the real strange deal. So anyway, we went through the fog bank. I got all the modern electronics, uh, radar, Lorancy, uh, GPS, all the modern electronics, autopilot. So we get through the fog bank, and uh, a strange thing happens. I lose uh, contact with the shore on my radar, and I'm only traveling uh, four or five miles off the, the coastline, and I had three other guys there uh, with me, my crew, and thought I was seeing things. I thought my my radar wasn't working properly, so I punch in the coordinates on my Loran and my GPS, and there is no coordinates. Everything turns up zero, zero, zero. Might I inject here uh, a time-delayed uh-oh? Uh-oh. Hello? <laughs> See, this a time delay. Um, that is an incredible story so far. So everything... So in other words, uh, you're suggesting that you went to a time... Before there was GPS, uh, but wait a minute, you lost land on radar. So if you had moved in time uh, and, and, and remained stationary, I, anyway, you've got me confused now, so continue with the story. Yeah, well, aren't we were, by golly, we were all confused about this time. There's no land on the radar or no coordinates, and uh, the, the, the compass is spinning in circles, so... Any navigator that would know you're in trouble when this happens, when you lose all electronics, and we had power to the electronics, so we're heading off in a fog bank with no electronics and uh, absolutely uh, no compass that has a correct heading, and uh, we're pretty concerned about this whole situation. So uh, we, all I know is to, to slow down the boat and, uh, and uh, just jog along at the same course that we were headed, uh, I didn't want to change any course because I wanted to hopefully event eventually end up out of the fog bank and still on the same course that uh, that I was heading in the first place. Okay. And so this is when the story gets real strange. Um, we traveled for approximately three days in this fog. Oh, it was slow idle. And uh, when we come out of the fog, all of a sudden it's a, it's a bright, beautiful, sunny day. And I don't recognize the coastline where I'm at. And I grew up here in Alaska. I fished here all my life. And uh, we're in some some different place. Uh, but, you know, I see uh, other boats in the area. And I get on a, my local weather, weather station on the VHF. It's just a WX button. You hit local weather. And it was Texas weather. We were in Texas water. What? And, uh, Say what now? Wait uh, a minute. Wait a minute. That's absolutely beyond the realm of all possibility. Now, people should get out a map and look at where Kodiak Island, Alaska is, and then look down where Texas is, 
and that cannot possibly be. You swear on 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 every on the nautical Bible that what you're telling me is true. But do you want to hear what happened, Art? This is where it really gets strange. <laughs> I am in Texas waters. Okay, that's 2,000 miles away. Well, actually, probably more than 2,000 miles. We're probably about yeah. 35 to 4,000 miles away. Yeah. And uh, so we get down to Texas, um, and I, I docked uh, this little uh, Texas town. I can't even remember the name of it because everything's really, really getting funky at this time. And uh, I get on the local radio station, and this is when uh, this this uh, Branch Davidian thing in Waco is going down wow. at this time period. And what I'm trying to tell you, each major event that happens in time can be changed through a different time and a different scenario. For example, when I got to Texas, I felt led to check out this Waco thing because I already knew what happened and knew the the outcome of this situation. So I was compelled to go to Waco. Here I am in a different dimension. So when I did get to Waco, I was able to convince the ATF to tape large pictures of Janet Reno's face to the windows of the compound, and by God, those people scared the hell out of those people. They all came out without incident. Uh, so in a different timeline... Uh, you saved, you saved everybody at Waco, and that is the biggest fish story I've ever heard in my whole life. Well, take it for what you want. I believe those people are alive in a different dimension, and every major event in history can be changed with different tactics. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for the call. It was good until you got to scaring them out with the face of Janet Reno. Oh, my. That was a good story, actually. He had me going. Now, maybe he was serious, but, you know, that ruined it at the end. timeline, Ron in Birmingham, Alabama, has presented me with something I didn't think I had, and that is the possibility of paradox. You see, you see, because I figure that time travelers can come on my program and weave their tale um, without any danger, because, you know, a lot of people aren't going to believe it anyway, right? So no danger of a paradox twist because no matter how genuine the story sounds, you know, half the people aren't going to believe it, maybe even more. But, writes Ron, <laughs> check this out, Art, I noticed that the line that you picked as your timeline, that's in quotes, for calls from time travelers, is the one that's normally your first time caller line. This made me think. A genuine time traveler, assuming such a thing exists, could call in on the first-time caller line as a valid first-time caller. Then, get in his machine, travel to an earlier time, and call in again as a first-time caller. With you none the wiser. Maybe you need a time paradox filter for that line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the big news consuming the major media today, of course, 
as you know, is the uh, McVeigh verdict, and uh, Mr. McVeigh has been sent sentenced to death. And the coverage that I saw, you know, it was extensive. I don't know how many different ways you can say it. This guy's going to die. Uh, but they did say on one of the networks that Mr. McVeigh, upon hearing the uh, sentence of death, didn't blink and didn't wince. And I thought, me either. That's my only comment. Me either. He didn't blink. He didn't wince. And I didn't either. In other words, goodbye, Mr. McVeigh. Now, he will not have 10 to 12 years to consider his sentence. He will have a rather shorter time, three, four, five years at the most, something like that, because uh, they have uh, shortened the appeals time, you'll recall, for death sentences. So, um, you know, it'll be a few years. Those who complain that Mr. McVeigh uh, should be kept alive so that he might name others involved in this, I think have nothing to be concerned about. Three, four, five years, that's enough time. If he wants to come forward in the next few years and clear his conscience and name anybody else who might have been involved, should he have that change of heart, then he can do it. You know, he can do it. He's got plenty of time. Uh, if he doesn't want to do it in that period of time, then uh, I say no wince, no blink, goodbye. And somebody here writes... Mr. Bell, I am so disappointed in your pompous, arrogant attitude relative to the death penalty imposed on McVeigh. Convicted on circumstantial evidence and having much of the testimony eliminated by the judge who would, would make it very difficult for me to sentence Tim McVeigh to death. This is Bob. Well, Bob, I'm glad you weren't on the jury, Bob. Uh, and moreover, you didn't see the trial, Bob. And 12 Americans uh, thought not only that he did it, uh, but that he roundly deserved the death penalty for it. Scientists have created fluorescent mice. No, I'm not joking. Tokyo AP. The Japanese have created fluorescent green mice. As a matter of fact, uh, CNN has had... Uh, pictures of them. They really are fluorescent green mice. This week, geneticists at Osaka University bred what they describe as the world's first fluorescent mammals by injecting mouse embryos with the DNA of a species of North American jellyfish that glows under light. When the mice are viewed under a special ultraviolet light, their bodies appear green. <laughs> I wonder if they could do that with humans. Would you like to glow in the dark? That might be all right. Or a glowing mouse might be an extra bonus for a, a particularly hungry cat. Easier to see in the dark. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, this is Herb and Davis. Hi, Herb. Hi. Um, on your Timothy McVeigh deal, yep. um, a lot of people are talking about how he didn't flinch or anything. Um, I think people should understand. I was in the military for 10 years, yes. and he was trained as a soldier. Yeah. And I think he he knew what was coming, and he's going to take his punishment and stand up like a soldier would. Yeah. I don't agree with what he did. I think it was totally wrong. No, I, I actually um, agree with you. Um, I think he took it in that way, didn't flinch, knew it was coming, knew he did it. 
uh, is ready to um, stand and pay for his uh, crime, I would bet almost that he's the kind of guy who might even not allow his attorneys to appeal so that the death sentence might be carried out sooner. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think also that uh, that the government might want to look out because if they do make him a martyr, um, it could be could make for long-term consequences. I don't think he's going to be a martyr. I, well, I, I appreciate your call, and I agree with you to a point. Um, I've heard this martyr talk, and I think it's uh, I think it's bull. I think there are only a small select group of fringy militia-type people who will regard Tim McVeigh as a martyr. Everybody else knows him for what he really is. And it's not that M-word. It's the other M-word, murderer. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. This is uh, Kevin um, calling from Pennsylvania. Well, hello, Kevin. Hi. Um, Where in Pennsylvania are you, pray tell? Right on the Ohio border, right okay. off Interstate 80. All right. I'm normally from uh, calling from the Roaring Fork in Colorado. Oh. But this time I'm east of the Rockies. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I was just calling to say how much I enjoy your show, but uh, also um, I was wondering if you ever did a follow-up on that show you did with Neil Chase. Mm, remind me. Neil Chase had uh, let you know about uh, a group of people who had predicted the Trade Tower bombing, among other events, and you had him on six days before um, March 23rd or May 23rd of, I think, 90... Ninety-four. Um, you know, ninety-four. Um, my yeah. my memory. His name was Neil Chase. My memory is he going. Say, he well. He sent you a fax. Um, oh. A warning. Oh. About New York City. Well, now I cannot be expected to re remember <laughs> all the faxes I read. Give me a break. Well, you, you called him up for a minute. You, you, you called him up that day. Yeah. And uh, I was just curious because I've looked into that a little bit, and I found out that um, he he predicted that there would be a bombing in New York uh, six days from when you did your show with him. Mm -hmm. And there actually was one. That uh, day. There certainly was. I I appreciate the call, but no, I never did any follow up. Nor do I, to be honest with you, remember the facts. Uh, I'm sure you're correct. Ah, the old memory. I have read so many thousands of faxes. I'll listen to a couple of other good reasons for you to go up to my website. Um, there is a St. Louis Post-Dispatch article about me up there called um, Broadcasting the Bazaar. At least I think it's up there. And then uh, it seems as though I have been nominated, or I'm one of the final nominees for something called the Marconi Award, the prestigious Marconi Award, um, given to the best, uh, I guess I'm in a category with uh, Howard Stern and Laura Schlesinger and um, who else? Me, that's three. There's two more. Anyway, the National Association of Broadcasters um, is the one that... Um, uh, does this, and then I guess radio station managers across America get to vote on it. And it is an honor uh, to have been selected to be in the final five, and we've got a link to that up there. That just occurred today. We just found out about it. And, of course, we've got our studio cams going, so if you want to look at me actually 
sitting here doing the program, you can do that. And a number of other things. You can participate in the survey on extraterrestrial life. It's all at www.artbell.com. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. take you back to the past on Art Bell Somewhere in Time. I just got a call from Greg at KBC who said, well, maybe I'm up for some other um, category of award, too, because there was something that mentioned. He said he heard Howard, Howard Stern talking about me and uh, himself and Schlesinger and Imus, and so now I'm confused. But we do have a link up there, anyway, to the uh, the National Association of Broadcasters site, so you can read it for yourself. Maybe there's maybe I didn't read far enough down or something. I don't know. Anyway, it's an honor to be in the final five, no matter what happens. They always say that, right? It's an honor, no matter what happens. Oh, I'm gonna cry like a baby if I. No, I won't. No, it is an honor. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, yeah, I was uh, thinking as far as a potential litmus quest, uh, question. Your, your question is very good. Your questions are excellent. My concern is whether or not, if they were to claim such uh, such an obvious revolutionary concept, yeah. um, how and whereby as would it be possible to meet them with a video camera to witness as well as attest to the validity well, of statements. Okay, okay, but uh, you see, all right, I see what you're saying. To offer proof uh, of that sort, yes, but that would then involve a paradox, a very serious paradox. And the only reason that I figured that I could get my timeline going tonight was because a lot of people despite the earnest nature of the presentation, a lot of people are not going to believe it anyway, so it's not really going to create a paradox. Now, having said that, you know, when you talk to the guy who gave us the predictions, what was it? A uh, sex charge against a celebrity involving uh, underage youth? A transportation tragedy? Then looking ahead, the Bills winning in 98? A fire in Florida? a Ramsey suicide, that kind of thing, if those things began to come true, then I would be a little bit concerned about the possibility of a paradox because suddenly everybody would begin to believe and that mass belief in itself could create a paradox. On the international line, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. Calling, calling from Edmonton, Alberta. Edmonton, yes, sir. You got it. Uh Three quick questions. First of all, uh, Web TV, do you have a Canadian number? Oh, you would ask that. 
Um, are you, are you telling me that the web TV uh, number does not work in Canada? Uh, I'm not exactly sure about it, but it's uh, it's possible. Well, you should not ask until you know. So, if if you cannot get to it from Canada, let me know, and I will have them fix it. Okay, I'll confirm that with you. How about the explanation I, I heard the other night of those tire tracks over the uh, crop circles in your pictures on your website? Yes. Could could you run that by me again? I missed it. Um, they were not tire tracks. Um, the uh, my guest said, Doug said, that they were. I don't know if you've ever seen large fields, but they have these real long metal um, things on wheels that okay. um, that water the field. Right. And that's what those are. Sure. And and if you look at there, it's perfectly evenly spaced. Right. It, it shows work before or after the circle right. was formed. Right. Okay. Last about the McVeigh ver verdict. Uh, I, I hear people arguing for capital punishment, and I, I see the only standard which which will support it is is not about whether it's a deterrent or for revenge or maybe even justice, but it's just that it totally eliminates a further threat on behalf of the individual who has done the killing. Uh, yeah. They have a zero. Ted Bundy has a zero percent chance of killing again. Whereas if we incarcerate them, maybe get a chance at parole later. There's, it's not at zero percent. Uh, you're exactly right. I, I appreciate that sentiment, but I think that uh, whether you want to call it revenge, or justice, or karma, or give the explanation you just gave, they all, in my mind, support the death penalty and as I heard it I too did not blink nor wince I thought yeah of course what else what else 168 people died this guy killed him now what else so I was not surprised by the verdict I would have been very surprised had it been anything else frankly East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. This is Kathy in Greenville, South Carolina. Hello, Kathy. Hi. I have three quick things for you from a biblical perspective, but first I have a question. Sure. I ordered your book the day before it was released. The and I day before? It, yeah. You know, when it was released back in April or whatever? Yes. On a Monday, I think I called Sunday or something like that. Yes. And uh, But I ordered it through a bookstore, and so it wasn't... Oh. It wasn't autographed. Oh. Is that why? That's why. Okay. Okay, my three quick things. When Terrence McKenna was on a couple weeks ago, I guess, from the Big Island. Yes. <clears throat> he mentioned that. God, that was a great interview. <laughs> wasn't it? It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, one thing he talked about was after Jesus rose from the dead and Mary went to touch him, Jesus said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Yes. And he said he's never heard anybody give the explanation. And you just happen to have it. <laughs> yeah, I do. All right. The explanation is that Jesus is our high priest. And if you study the Old Testament, before the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he had to be completely clean, uh, clean in a holy sense and also in a physical sense. And Christ was getting ready to ascend uh, into the Holy of Holies, and that's why no one could touch him. Now, he ascended sometime between that point and the point where he saw the disciples on the road to, I forget where they were walking to, another town. Here to there. Right. So it, that's it, the it, answer to that one. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and there you go, Terrence, if you're listening, uh, which I presume you might be on the big island. 
I want to remind everybody that beginning Monday, which actually happens to be my birthday, uh, this program will begin one hour earlier. That will impact some in one way and others in another way. I don't know. We'll have to sort it all out. But beginning Monday, the program begins at 10 o'clock Pacific time. And um, that means I'm going to have to shift my, shift my whole life um, by an hour, which should not be too difficult. In a way, it's kind of cool because it'll end at 3 o'clock in the morning out here on the West Coast. And that might mean that I can actually sleep uh, during a little bit of darkness. That will be different. On my timeline, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm calling from Little Rock. Little Rock, Arkansas. Have Hi, you, have my you, name is Leah. Leah, have yes. you have you traveled in time? No, I just wanted to quickly ask you. No, if Leah. You're going to record your book. No, 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 no. Won't even answer that, Layla. That is my timeline. Oh, I'll guess I'll answer it. Damn it. Yes, yes, yes. Eventually I'm going to record my book. But listen to me. Listen to me. Please listen to me. There is going to be a delay. Anybody out there who has written a book knows that once you have finished the book, contemplating, in effect, starting all over again from the beginning is like saying you're going to have a baby uh, after you have just delivered one. I mean, you try that with some women. You know, when they just deliver a baby, have a new baby, ask them if they're ready to get pregnant have another one right now. Well, that's kind of like my answer. So the answer is yes, yes, I will eventually um, put my book on tape. I did my first. But time must pass before I'm prepared to do that. So it's a yes, but not yet. Uh, on my timeline, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. I was um, sitting here um, on the AOL looking at your live audio cam. My video cam? Yes. My husband is a great fan of yours. He listens to you every night, and he woke me up to get on the computer. Uh, so, so, you, so you could actually see me. Right. And uh-huh. I was wondering, are you able to hear the radio through the computer? Or is um, it just a picture? Well, uh, actually, it's interesting you should mention that. If you are equipped for real audio, mm-hmm. um, then um, the answer would be yes. In other words, you can begin the real audio. Wait a minute. I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to wave at you. The next picture you get on your computer is going to be me waving at you. Okay. 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 Um, so if you get real audio uh, going and then come to the website and start the uh, the sequencing video, okay. yeah, you'll get both. Okay, great. Thank you very much. All right, so the next one, watch for me waving at you now. I will. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> yes. Now, she violated my timeline. Look, I'm going to say this again, because I know some of you may be joining the show late. I'm holding one line open, only for people who have traveled in time. Time travelers. Now, these do not include people who have been in airplanes and gone through time zones. These do not include people who have mentally traveled in time. These do not include people who have been in trances. What I am talking about here 
our stories, we've had a couple, uh, that H.G. Wells would be proud of. Something involving a machine with knobs and levers and that sort of thing. The elevator story in the first hour was really good. Representative, in fact, of what I want. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Good morning, Art. This is your brother, Donald, from KARV in Russell, Arkansas. How you doing? I'm doing. Well, I was just going to say goodbye to Carve. We're going to be going off the air at midnight starting July 1st. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, Why are they doing that? Well, we're the only emergency broadcast station in the state. And uh, the people we do emergency broadcast for are going to a different system, so they're not going to be needing us anymore. But um, total bummer. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but another thing I was wanting to ask you is um, the people in in Russellville should Russellville, right? Uh huh. Should rise in protest. Oh, they have been. <laughs> They've been protesting pretty hard. Uh, I've been trying to keep them to keep Dreamland on, and uh, our station manager was wanting to, but he didn't know if we could or not. Well, I imagine Dreamland would stay on. Well, let me see. Would it two hours? Um, yes, it would. It would be able to. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, my goodness, to begin shutting off at midnight. Yeah. Uh, I hate it because I thought I was going to be out of a job, but I'm going to get to move down to the 6 to midnight shift. I see. <laughs> but um, Well, people of Russellville, rise up. Rise up. Them. Tell them you want your nighttime radio. Don't let them turn the switch off. Trust me, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> I mean, this is what this is what keeps me up all night here at where at work. But there was one more thing I was wanting to ask you. Uh, did you get a uh, my, uh, there's a videotape that I sent you all probably two weeks ago of uh, my blue cat? I sure did. did what do you think? I thought you dyed it. Uh-uh. That's actually he's a smoke gray color, but but he's kind of blue in some light. Yeah. He well, it, it, the cloudier it gets. The bluer he gets. He just got a blue tint to him. What do you think happened to your cat? I don't know. We found him that way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, have you noticed any unusual properties about your blue cat? No. Uh, matter of fact, we was wondering what kind of cat that was. Do you? Would you happen to have an idea? Oh yes. What is it? It's a blue cat. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> I have no idea, sir. No idea. Uh, somebody out there will tell us. I'm sure. Okay. A blue cat. Wow. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, somebody will help us out there. And in the meantime, Russellville, rise up. You don't watch radio station going off at midnight, do you? Art, prompted by your show on Crop Circles last night, I put together a little program that spins the newest circle. Oh, gosh, yes, that's the other thing. Um, we've got the newest Stonehenge crop circle on the website, and it is a beauty. It's a beauty. So if you want to see the newest Stonehenge crop circle, hurry to my website at www.artbell.com. Anyway, to continue, prompted by your show on crop circles last night, I put together a little program that spins the newest circle. Circle? Circle, thank you, the Stonehenge one on your site. It is a Windows program that is 1.2 megabytes in size, so it is a little big. I will email it to you if you like so that Keith can offer it on the site. It allows spinning the circle at variable rates from 1 to 60 frames per second. I'm not sure that's fast enough, 
there is an interesting helix revealed nonetheless. Interested? Question mark. Well, hell yes. Now, my mailbox has been notoriously full lately. So, if it is, send it to webmaster at primenet.com. And, of course, I, I knew somebody would do that. I knew somebody would do that, and you have done it. And you are Dave in Milwaukee. Dave, thank you, and we will look forward to getting that program. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, how you doing, Art? Okay. Yeah, this is Kev from Lakewood. Yes, sir. How are you? Mm, no, I'm all right. Good. Yeah, love your show. Thank you. Yeah, you know, this is the death penalty issue, you know. Um, yes. anti-death penalty people that always using the word deterrent. I don't care about deterrent. Yeah, I don't either. In my mind, it's not a deterrent anyway. It's a punishment. Well, he's certainly going to be deterred from doing it again. I agree. That's that's true. I mean, that's an absolute deterrent. Yeah, I'm, I'm all but, for But it. whether or not anybody sits out there and contemplates a murder and says, Oh, God, no, I remember McVeigh got executed. I can't do this. No, I don't think it's that. No, no one does that. If you, if you want to kill somebody, you're going to kill somebody. Yeah. There, there is no way of stopping him from doing that, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So I don't even want to get into the deterrent argument for yeah. that re very reason. It's uh, specious. I hear you. I agree. Yeah, I just saw that movie, Phenomenon. That, that was a great movie. That was a great movie. Yeah. Uh, as you point out, um, I think it's one of the better movies, and um, the subject was handled so well in that movie. I mean, uh, well, I, you know, I don't want to go through the plot line uh, to ruin it for anybody, but um, it involved a man uh, having contact with a spaceship and then uh, beginning to um, uh, have an IQ that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, I don't want to say any more about the film than that, but it was extraordinarily well done. How's that? That pretty much covers it. You said that very well without rooting me into it. <laughs> also, also, that's kind of a kind of a surprising end to it. I, I might add to that. Um, sort of at some point. Yeah, I thought again, and 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 part of the way I rate movies, I don't know about you, is the ending. In other words, uh, if a movie ends in a really stupid way. I tend to, even if the rest of the movie was good, I tend to get very disappointed and not rate the movie well. I like good endings. I like realistic endings. How about you? I do too. All right. Thank you very much for the call. Realistic, keyword. And if it's all sort of a tied up in pink ribbons kind of ending, and it shouldn't be, I get disappointed and I say, ah, what a bunch of baloney. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. Somewhere in Time with Art Bell continues, courtesy of Premier Networks. Hey, do you hear the line in this song, A Secret Place in Time? Never to become a baby 
This is the night of the timeline, actually. Good morning. This is Coast to Coast AM, and we're into open lines. Save one, which is a very special line. It's my timeline, and here we have yet another claimant to time travel. And here he is. Hello there. Are, are you uh, on the line? Uh, yes, sir, I am. Okay, you're on the air then. Now, uh, where, where, pray tell, are you? I'm calling from Kansas. I wouldn't like to reveal my exact location. But uh, that's fine. You're going to have to get into that phone and kind of yell at us. You're in Kansas without revealing your specific location. And my name is Mike. Mike, mm -hmm. which may or may not be your real name. Exactly. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm sorry I'm a little nervous talking to you. You're a lot more important in the future than you may know. So I just briefly wanted to explain some of the processes involved, which got me here to 1997. You have knowledge about my future? Yes, sir, but I can't, I can't reveal that. That would, of course, be a paradox yeah. problem. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Where did you come from? To 2055. Get... 2055? Yes, sir. Wow. And this is a very big honor speaking with you, sir. Oh, uh, it's an honor speaking with you. Um, my gosh, 2055, the questions I have. Um, the first and one, of course, is... I can't answer any specific person questions, uh... but I can't talk about issue questions. All right. Um, I can like can you tell us? Can you tell us by what means you came here? Yeah, that's one of the primary things I did want to speak about. Okay. Um, okay. What I tried to do is relay this in 1997 terms the best I could with the um, quantum physics terms terminology. I, I, used. I know we're just children. Do the best with us you can. Okay. Um, roughly, the, this it works off the Einsteinian EMC squared. And the way that I arrived here was by breaking down my biological matter into a photon binary code. Now, that was in turn fired into a calcium vapor source. You know I was going to guess that. Uh-huh. Now, are you familiar with this process? This is this is based off of the Erwin Schroeder, excuse me, not Erwin Schroeder, I can't remember the name for it. But what, the way it works is you take a calcite, a calcite cre crystal and firing the laser, a laser into it, that creates a calcium vapor in a vacuum. Now, when a photon beam is, is fired through this, it creates two identical neutron, neutrino rays. Yes. That creates one traveling forward in time and one traveling backwards in time. Okay. Now, are you familiar with the Erwin-Schrodinger quantum connection? No. Actually, you've totally lost me if I were to tell you the truth. Okay. Um, had... Real quickly, I can do this really quick. What that states is when the neutrinos are fired, one will travel in a forward timeline and one travels in a backwards timeline. Now, when those are reconstituted into back into the physical matter, it creates oh. a physical person in the forward timeline and also a physical person in the reverse timeline. Boy, you know what? It really sounds like you know what you're talking about. And it's, it's become phase. It's called a phase entanglement. Uh, okay. I, you know, I, it's not that I understand what you're saying, but it really sounds like you're, you know what you're saying. Oh, okay. Well, now, um, uh, what can you? you can you give us some sense of the future? I mean, or is that a violation of um, the, the most par important paradox? change in the future? As you know, in 2012, there will be some major changes. Technology will stay with us, but we tend to move into, um, for example, we our motors are all switched to low-compression ethanol motors. 
one of the most important things notice of the 2012 change is we tend to change our power lines to low voltage electricity because currently the high voltage EMF waves we're producing on the earth is interfering with our spiritual higher frequency domains yeah. as far as our that's part of the reason we're losing our telepic our telepic communication and instinctual knowledge wow um, listen, I've got a few commercials I've got to do here, um, but you sound so right on somehow that I would like to hold you over. Uh, sir, I would be honored to speak with you for a little longer, yeah. All right. Stay right where you are. Oh, this guy sounds good. I wish I understood all of that, but he sounds awfully good, doesn't he? Now to my time traveler, and uh, again, you sound like the real McCoy. I thank you. Do, um, do you have any questions? Oh God, I've got a million. Um, what happens to radio and television and stuff like that? Again, as I mentioned, uh, after 2012, we start discovering the radio waves. In fact, do they don't harm us um, physically, but they are. They do interfere with um, our. Inst I'll use instinctual words. Instinctual in instinctual senses. Um, they interfere with our um, our communication with the overall species of humans mentally. Okay. And so we tend to go more to a cable-oriented. All right. Well, that certainly would, would make sense. Uh, fiber is certainly being installed now, and there may not be as much reason to broadcast um, as we do now. Mm -hmm. um, so that One of the things I'd like to speak about, um, something that's been going on for a while that, need, that needs to be looked at real carefully has been there's been a massive besides the massive stockpile of nuclear weapons and nuclear fuels that that was my my particular project I was sent back here for, but also the space shuttle, the lower gas tank, the large gas tank. Yes. Those are being stored in space. They they don't actually burn up over the ocean. I beg your pardon. Now the uh, when, when the shuttle goes up, mm -hmm. they have a first stage um, a separate separation. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that falls back into the ocean. And those are reused, yes. So what are you talking about? The large main fuel tank. Yes. It is claimed that it, that it burns up over the Indian Ocean right now. Yes. Those are actually being collected and stored together in a space station. Matter of fact, the, Mir the not the Mir space station, but wow. the um, first, the, the American space station was built on the same principle using the solid rocket booster as the outside frame. And, and they're doing this in order to... For biological research. Biological research. Yeah. What about disease? The main purpose that I know of that they caused the problems, at least, was through they used the anti-gravity environment as a cloning environment. Okay, okay, let's jump to cloning. Now, in this day, we are just on the verge of cloning. As a matter of fact, I've got to tell you, I've got, a, I've got an article here somewhere... I don't know where, uh, in, in the Bahamas for about $200,000, you can get cloned now. They're doing it. Uh, they're, you know, we're passing laws here, but in the Bahamas, for 200 grand, you can get cloned. So I'm naturally curious what the future holds for cloning. The main problem with cloning right now is they, um, it'll start out, they'll start, they'll, they'll, it's going to, the actual problem is not so much cloning, but, um, genetic therapies and genetic, um, for example, they can cure leukemia through genetic therapies yeah. and, all, and whatnot. The problem they're going to run into is the, uh, the mass of society will start um, how to, getting like antidepressant therapy. 
through clone through um, genetic. Yes. Now the problem with that is that's going to raise the work level of stress that the factory workers can take. And now, because some of the experiments that happen during this time period will be by by submitting the fetuses to intense heat during their their initial cloning period. That and they they they, they give them intense, intense heat to teach them to like the heat. And then anytime cold weather cold air touches, they they, they cool it and send an electrical field electrical shock into them to associate cold with pain. Now, these fetuses are raised mainly for working in steel mines and hot environments, and the idea behind that is to create a workforce which can work in a hot environment but will um, have a sort of classical conditioning, if you will, to cold environments. All right. Can you give us the conditions of what does and does not represent a paradox? For what? Well, for example, what you're telling us right now brushes up against the edge of a paradox because it may be that what you're saying will give somebody in this time line mm-hmm. uh, an idea to go ahead and start doing what you just said. That's actually hoped to be the idea to to prevent because it's already started right now, the work on that. Ooh. What I'm trying to do is raise the awareness to keep that work from going forward. All right. What does represent a paradox? In other words, can you go back in time uh, and were you to kill your grandfather... Uh, for example, mm-hmm. what would that do? Um, that w- that would erase the pattern up to your t- to your existence. I was actually sent back to alter a certain person. I was actually sent back to 1980. I was mi- I missed. I landed in 1982 when I was sent back here. Yes. I was originally sent back here in 1980 to help to help stop a certain election to keep the the nuclear stockpiles from growing as fast as they did. My God! Influence our elections? Yes. You're as bad as a Chinese. <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I've got to run, uh, okay. but I, I am honored to have spoken to you, and again, you are from the year... 2055. Thanks for the call. Okay, thank you very much. Take care. Now, that one, that one, that one's got to leave you a scratch in your head a little bit. God, I wonder. Don't you wonder? <laughs> That's my timeline. Time travelers. I'm trying to get time travelers, and I'm getting them. I don't know. He sounded awfully good, didn't he? Only those who have physically traveled in time. I, I, you know, I had a million other questions, but, I mean, we've got to pay attention to time here. Sorry about that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Would have been. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Uh, hi, Art Bell. Yes, sir. Turn uh, your radio off, please. Yes, I just did. That's good. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, have you heard anything from uh, the madman Markham? No, but uh, you know what? What? Listen carefully on my timeline this morning. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, there are two possibilities, eh? Yeah, that's true. That last call you just had was quite something. I know. I know. And so I will, even an older, changed madman voice, I would remember. Yeah. I would recognize. And, you know, holding a special timeline open this morning, I mean, I figure either madman has fried himself or he might be calling. Very true. Do you really believe that time uh, travel is possible or will be possible? Uh, Yes, I do, actually. Uh, if you could travel in time, either in the past or the future, where would you go, or when? 
Um, that's a very, very, very good question. And I, it would depend, may I ask, uh, for example, am I able to make more than one trip or can, am I able to only choose one time and go back and remain? Hmm. Well, let's say, uh, for example, just once. Just once. All right, listen on the radio, and I'll um, just once, just once. Okay. My answer then is, I would go back to the time of Jesus. Seems like a stock answer, huh? But it's not. I would want to see that. I don't know. Would I try and in interfere in some way? I don't have that answer. But that is, really is my honest answer. If if I could only do it once, I would want to see that because, after all, that answers, does it not, the biggest question that mankind really has. And I know that a lot of you say it's no question, you idiot. Read the Bible. But the question was, where would I go? And that's my answer. I would want to see that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hey, Art, how's it going? Well, it's strange. Hey, weird. weird, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, Kenny, New Orleans. Yes. Oh, New Orleans. Yeah. Hey, what, uh, you know, what hey, you know what? I actually might be coming to New Orleans. Yeah, what month is that going to be? It's going to be in September. The September? NA, the next NAB convention is in September. And I've been nominated for this thing called the Marconi Award. So this is going to be a convention-type uh, deal? Yeah, NAB is a convention, big one, too. Okay. National Association of Broadcasters. Yeah, I might get to see you because I wear a convention sometimes. Well, then you just might. Uh, uh, there's a guy here that does a radio program. He puts out a magazine and all of that, and he, he's a private investigator. Yes. Uh, I don't know if I can give his last Can I give his last name? No, you probably shouldn't. Uh, his first name's Ron. Yes. And uh, he's investigating some... Uh, some kind of UFO deal down here. Right. And uh, I'll give you a call whenever he uh, spills his guts about what it is because he says uh, he can't uh, give out any information about it right now, but he says that uh, UFOs are real and he has the proof. And that uh, whenever he gets, gets that out, I'll let you know what's going on. All right. And, uh, oh, and about that, uh, you got this girl that calls uh, every night just about... Uh, she says she's a goddess. She's from California. Oh, uh, she's my 10. Uh, she gets in at least once a week, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. She called, what, I, what's her name? Um, Danelle is her uh, name, and um, she refers to herself as a goddess, and I refer to her as 10. Can you get a picture of her on your website? Um, I could. Uh, just ask her next time. Um, like but, but, you know, it, nice it, it may be... It may be that you should just let your imagination run away with itself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> All right, see you later. Uh, for those of you who like imaginations, I'm pointing uh, back at a photograph uh, that will be, let's see, that will be taken in about six seconds. So if you can see where I'm pointing, uh, there is something that uh, you don't have to use your imagination on. That's for those who are watching the video on the website. Uh, east of the Rockies, uh, you're on the air. Hello, Art. This Hi. is Conservative Chris. Yes. It's nice to call you again. Well, I'm glad to hear you. 
Yeah, I'm fascinated by time travel. Oh, uh, well, you know, you've got a portable phone, don't you, Chris? Yeah, I'll do, I'll, I can switch phones. Can you? I'll, please do that. Okay. Um, I mean, here we are talking about something advanced as time travel, and you're on one of those old-fashioned portable phones. Uh, now you're on a real phone? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, anyway, you're fascinated uh, by time travel. Yeah. And, uh, what did you, what did you, what did you, what did you think of the guy who was just on for about 20 minutes? He spooked me, I tell you that. Yeah. Did you see that science fiction special with William Shatner not too long ago? No, I don't know which, which one. But they went through this whole thing of time travel, they showed how they saved Kennedy and stuff in this one, uh, wooden show. And then they went back and, uh, had to kill him again, you know, try to make it so that he died because in the long run he was supposed to... Because it fouled everything up, right? Yeah, because he... In other words, had up. Kennedy lived, a lot of things would have been absolutely different. It, it, it may depend on who you were to kill. Now, thank you for the call. That's a very intriguing, very intriguing line of thought. Think about this for a moment. If you were to go back and kill somebody who had virtually no impact on society's uh, future in general or even um, very specifically then it may be that the ripple would you know just sort of be a little be like tossing a pebble into the water a very small ripple but if you were to go back and kill somebody like Kennedy or somebody who would have had made uh, uh, you know some sort of major a choice um, to construct the atomic bomb, to enter the Second World War, uh, some decision at that level, and you were to kill that person, then indeed you might do something that would change the entire future. So what I'm saying is it might entirely depend on who you killed. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, Art. Yes. Hey, this is Pat in Sacramento, California. Hello, Pat. Hey, um, wow, I've been trying to get through this. Cool. Um, well, here you are. <laughs> um, have you heard from JC lately? Um, it has been, I would guess, about three or four weeks since I've heard from JC. Oh, really? But, you know, with a number of stations and listeners now, uh, the odds of JC's being able to get through are somewhat limited. Yeah, yeah I know that. <laughs> um,. Could you tell me his first name? Because I have a pool going, and I, I wanted to see. I don't know his first name. Oh, you don't? No, of course not. I oh. only I know. Look, it's like I have never talked to JC ex except on the air. So oh, he's JC. Oh, okay. Because because that one time he called and you bleeped him out or whatever his first name or last name or whatever. Um, if I did, I don't remember it. I may have bleeped him. I wonder why I did. That's a good question. I don't remember if he ever did give his name. I don't remember it. Yeah, because we have a pool going and <laughs> just to see what his first name is and stuff like that. Anyway, even if I knew, I would be sort of duty bound. Yeah. You know, I couldn't say. Also, um, one day I was bored and, and uh, my mom was watching this little baby and I went around with my tape recorder and taped her and uh, uh, backward. <laughs> I a, a young budding David Oates, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, backwards, I got. Uh, uh, no, well, hold on. Okay. Um, I've got a break coming up, so let me do that, and we'll we'll. Do you have that recording, by the way? Uh, no, I don't. I forwarded it 
All right, all right. Well, we'll find out what it was anyway coming up after the break. This is Premier Networks. That was Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM on this Somewhere in Time. Featuring Coast to Coast AM from June 13, 1997. And thank you, Mike at KBC. Yes, I'm fast. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I won't let me. Anyway, listen, uh, we've got yet another time traveler on the line. Here he is. Good morning. Where are you calling from, sir? I am calling from Southern California. Uh-huh. I'm actually in the Anza Borrego Desert as I'm talking to you. Really? Yeah. Uh, and when are you from? Well, when I'm from is 2037. 2037? Yeah, but, but this this goes back. I'll, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that um, since you did this show, I had to call you because I remember listening to this and going, my God, that's my voice. Oh, my God. In you fact, mind. in fact, we'll see, it all started with, well, in fact, I had called, well, I guess it's 97, several months earlier saying I, I had bought one of Steve Gibbs' machines. Oh, you bought one of, would you buy Yeah, I remember, and I said, I said I was getting phone calls from myself. Yes, I remember. Yes, yes. well, this continued, <laughs> and while, now I know why. Uh, just, you know, uh, anyway, Gibbs' things, they didn't work very well. Um, must have worked. It, well, I mean. they worked. They worked well in the desert. It's. It's. But. Uh, from 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 that experience. Where did you go? I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't able to go far. I was only able to go maybe a couple of years ahead. I had problems. I couldn't go backwards either. Um, but I. I was also later in the military in uh, twenty, oh one and two and three. What Actually, were, what were you able to observe? Um, I wasn't able to observe. I was I was still in the the same where I was before. But but that that's that's not my method of time travel right now. My my method well, my method is is a ship which which I operate. You have a ship. Yeah, I was. Well, what we call well, we don't we don't want to call them abductees, but an experiencer, and recruited and and I thought it was great. And, and and they, well, I, you know, it's not that hard to operate the ship. The other Mike, my name is Mike too. The other Mike, I was curious about him because he was sent back on a mission, and I'm curious about who sent him back. Um, because there's, there's various time travelers. There, there's there are unwilling time travelers, and these unwilling time travelers were people who were experimented on either by the government or by different beings who. Visit us, of course. I should have asked him. You know, it was just impossible. I mean, well, I, I get you guys on the line, and then I, I, it's like there's a million questions you think of afterwards. So I will ask you, what is it that you would consider would be most important for us to know about time travel? 
the most important thing, um, I personally, I mean, there, there are various opinions. There's, there's everyone's, and, and our little sector has different opinions on, on what you would call the paradox and, and all that. I, I, I am sort of a maverick and don't believe in that because there are multi-timelines. In other words, there are parallel timelines where... Well, yeah, well, there's multi-parallel timelines. So here on Earth... Um, well, well, everywhere. Ev- okay, I hadn't thought of that. Of course, right. it would be everywhere. Um, is well, it what we know as a dimension? Right, right. I mean, that's what I use. My, my, my vehicle, I, I call it a non-linear uh, dimensional layer transport vehicle. Because that, and that's how I... I now, you can, you can prove this to me by saying that again. Nonlinear dimensional layer transport vehicle, and the, one of the reasons why I, w- I was recruited by what, what we'll call these other beings is that when I was in the military, I was in two operations. Uh, in 2001, I was in Operation Black Opera, and 2002, Operation Black Swan. Black Opera. I've heard of Black Opera. Really? Yes. At this time, I had well, a reference once. One person once referenced Black Opera, and I, I, I tried to get him to send me information on it, and he disappeared. Well, those are, are reverse-engineered vehicles, and when I was in the military, I learned how to operate them, which gives me the expertise of operating the, the, the vehicle I have now. Well, and, and uh, I, will you... Now, you are a permanent resident now in 1997. Well, no, actually, I had to come here and call in because I remember hearing this call. So I'm fulfilling my paradox. Oh, my God. It, it's like the phone calls I was giving myself, and I, I called you about that, gee, well, years ago, you know, years ago, but... but, but I can't ago, tell I you how impressed I am. I, I, I thought I'd get a call like this, and here you are. Thank you, my friend. Okay, well, if you had any questions, I, I have it all. <laughs> all right. Uh, I can't think of any more right now. My mind is uh, wobbling. Okay, the one thing I have, um, and some people will know, Operation Southern Cross. Um, and I think your other caller was on that, that mission. I mean, I'm not sure. Okay. Not sure who he is. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Pretty good ones here. The mind wobbles, doesn't it? What do you think about these people? Hoaxers? All of them? They sound pretty serious, don't they? Well, I should have done this a long time ago. My timeline. Listen, I screwed up. Um, I told you to send any of these uh, crop circle um, programs to webmaster at primenet.com. Um, don't do that. I'm sorry. It, that, that That's going to go to somebody else. Sorry about that. See, see what happens when you give out wrong addresses? If you have constructed software that spins crop circles on a computer, send it to Keith R., that's K-E-I-T-H-R, all lowercase, at primenet.com. Keith R., 
all runs together, lowercase, Keith R. at primenet.com. And that poor other guy whose email address I just gave out a couple of hours ago is going to get an awful lot of mail, and he's going to wonder why, and he's going to blame me, and it'll be true. It'll be my It'll be my fault. So please send it to um, Keith R. at primenet.com. Sorry about that. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Yes, Art. This is uh, Steve in South Central Indiana. How you doing? Okay, how are you? Um, well, pretty well, actually. Okay. Um, I was just wondering, are you uh, kind of building up to something here? Because, uh, you know, your last few shows have really been interconnected. I know. <laughs> Synchronistic to the max, right? Yeah, and I just can't wait for Richard Hoagland Tuesday. Tuesday night. I think something's up. <laughs> you do, huh? Yeah. Well, there is something up, and I can't, number one, I cannot promise you that it will all be revealed Tuesday. It, 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 it depends on what happens between now and then, but yes, there is something tremendous going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. And I, I just, I, you know, I can't talk about it. Well, I mean the, the you know the uh, you know the David John Oates show and uh, the one about the crop circles last night. I mean yes. that was just they both blew me away. I know, I know, I know. And Richard's been talking to both of these guys, so uh, I don't. Th- I'm not sure we've ever had as many orders for a show, by the way, as we did uh, uh, for the um, uh, the crop circle. I mean that was a stunner. Thank you. It put my chin on my chest and my mouth hung open and the light bulb went on and my god it's just i have been asking people about crop circles and what they think they are what they think they mean for years now and all of a sudden last night here comes this airline pilot who has written a book called the gift crop circles deciphered and the guy laid me out I mean, flat laid me out and everybody else who heard it. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. This is Andy in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Andy. How are you? I have a question about the time travel. Sure. Um, just a curiosity. Um, I wonder how many people have come back without knowing it. It's not to their knowledge that they've come back. Well, the caller you just had on mentioned that um, some people were sent back against their will. Yeah. And I wonder... Um, how many of us are walking around and just don't know it? <laughs> it's entirely possible. And as far as the comment about you being important in the future, yes, um, your listenership at 4:51 a.m. in the morning in Gainesville, Florida, is incredible. So I can imagine that that could be true. <laughs> well, but does that mean my radio program is important? Does that mean the message that I'm getting out here is important to something that occurs in the future? Does it mean the book that I wrote? gets the message out enough so something changes. Damn it, I should have asked. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. You know, what happens is you think of these questions later. Right. I mean, when I get somebody who sounds so good as that guy did, so credible, whether you want to believe it or not, and, you know, it's one of those believe it or not things, but to me he sounded really credible. I was so stunned that I couldn't think of cool questions. Well, I do have a comment about wanting to believe it. Yeah. I think that I think that one of the reasons that we want to believe it is because having people come back from the future gives us a positive outlook on the future. It makes us believe that there, because a lot of people are going around saying there isn't going to be a future, 
And when we see these people coming back from... That's a good point. That's a very good point. In other words, obviously, there is a future if they're coming back. Right. So to answer your question on how do we feel about it, I think it's positive, and I'm excited about it. Well, excellent, my friend, and I, I thank you for the call. Uh, take care. He's right. You know, when you talk to people who are coming back from 2055 or 54 or whatever, that means there is a future. Now, the only caveat is that you will recall, he said around, what did he say, 2012? Somewhere in there, there was going to be a big change. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. How you doing? Um, actually, I'm pretty overwhelmed. Yeah. 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 That's a good word. Overwhelmed. I'm sorry. I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. I didn't expect this kind of a response. No, no. So it also it, it makes you wonder if it's true. Uh yeah. Yeah, it does. As a matter of fact, here, listen to this. Um Hi Art. First we had the Steves. Now we have the Mikes. They both sounded so credible simply by the way they were not reacting to your reactions. It was also matter of fact to them. Most imposters, you would think would sensationalize what they were saying. But one thing that the second Mike said really sent a shiver up my spine. His response was so immediate and sudden that you weren't even finished with your sentence yet and may not have caught it. As soon as you said you had heard of it before, he said, in this time, think about it. That's an incredible remark. That's from Karen in Sacramento. Wow. Well, listen, I've got a couple things for you. Sure. Um, one, you do have something to do with the future. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You touch millions of people nightly. Um, so, there's, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean... I mean, it's reasonable to conclude, I suppose. But I wonder what it is. Uh, God only knows. Yeah, and some of the people that are calling, if I can ever think to ask. No kidding. Listen, i got a really interesting thing for you here. Uh, maybe you'll find it interesting. I don't know. Um, there's a national uh, copying service. I don't know if you want me to drop any names or not. Kinko's. Yes. Okay. i got well, a lot of they... people at Kinko's that listen to the show. Really? They all fax me. Well, I mean, uh, why I not? I got a little I'm interesting tidbit. Um, they've got some kind of sweepstakes going on right now. And... It's eligible to people in America, I guess all over the world, but there's an interesting disclaimer on the back of this uh, game piece. It's a thing you scratch off, and it gives you your game prize. Yeah. And it says, in order for Canadians to win, to receive a winning game card, uh, that person must also answer correctly the following mathematical skill testing question before the prize will be awarded. You mean it's like an IQ test for Canadians? Yes. But that a mathematical... doesn't uh, seem really fair. That's what I was wondering. You mean Americans can win without answering it? Yes. Hey, that that really sucks. I, I know. I found it really weird, but the qu equation is multiply 24 by 6, then add 388, divide that by 7, and subtract 38. You know what that comes up to? What? 38. 38? Yes. Which means what? I have no idea. Well, so anyway, I, so so at least we've given the Canadians the right answer, so they don't have to <laughs> fool around with this. I mean, that's that's not fair. I I just found it very odd. I didn't know if you would find it kind of odd that maybe uh you know that Kinkos would put that kind of uh 
I don't know what you want to call it. Is it a... Um, well, it's like saying you got to take a, a test before you can vote or something. Right. It's, it's a prejudice. It's a discrimination. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it's just a sense of humor, too. <laughs> well, that, too, but, I mean... I mean, know, I, I've, I've speculated for some time about the Canadian invasion. Right. I, well, see, that's why I wanted to tell you about this, because I, I know you have some kind of a, a kinness to the Canadians. Something, yes. So, uh... I don't know. You know, I mean, I just found it very odd. If I was a Canadian myself, I personally would probably be offended. I'm offended, and I'm not even a Canadian. So, uh, hey. I mean, I wasn't trying to rock the boat with Kinko's, but... Uh, All right, I just... well, I mean, uh, look, I've got a lot of people work at Kinko's, and they can uh, they can fax me because that's, <laughs> that's what they do. Right. And so we'll find out. All right? Okay. All right, thank you. That's really odd. I, I never heard of that. A math test for Canadians? Well, the way the educational system, you know, is going right now in this country, uh, a far less uh, serious uh, math test would rule out a lot of winners here. <laughs> uh, let's go west of the Rockies. You're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Um, I'm calling from Idaho. Idaho. Yes, sir. Yeah, and sorry I couldn't use your timeline, but this is a future-related story. Um, unwitting, unwilling time traveler, actually. You mean you're a time traveler? Yes, sir, I have traveled. My, my. To where, sir? No, to when? Um, I couldn't really tell you. It's uh, It happened about two or three um, weeks ago. Yes. I was up in Sun Valley visiting a friend, and I was traveling back through to Pocatello um, on the highways 93 and 26. Yes. which lie across uh, Craters of the Moon and then go into INEL. And uh, it was it was a full moon. Um, there wasn't anybody on this old road, uh, state highway. And uh, I have to excuse me. It's all um, right. No, that's all right. Listen, I am a big believer in the power of a full moon. I, for years and years and years, I have found that on the radio... People have an utterly, completely, totally different attitude during periods of the full moon. And that's why I'm next week we're going into a full moon as I begin doing the show an hour earlier. And uh, synchronistically, Richard Hoagland comes on Tuesday night uh, at 10 o'clock. Anyway, continue your story. Well, I'm going through, and out there you really can't get much on the radio. And uh, it was probably... 10, 30, 11, 11 o'clock at night, and so I wasn't surprised to get nothing on FM. Mm -hmm. Well, I switched over to AM. I wasn't getting anything. Really? And that kind of concerned me. That would concern me, too. Now, FM, that's one thing. Sure, you can be a, a far enough away in the middle of nowhere, but AM, AM you can hear anywhere. Right. If the AM dial was gone, I'd be really upset. And, um... And then that's my lights were going forward, and there wasn't any fog or anything that obstructed my view. But I noticed something different about the road. And you know, it's that late at night. I was cruising probably 80, 85 miles an hour, and uh, I started slowing down, and the road just started getting really bumpy. I mean, it just it looked like there were cra not craters, but just potholes. The road looked like you know, oh, a jackhammer crew had gone through. All right, look, uh, I'm coming up on a break, and your story is really, really good. So 
Uh, do you mind holding over? Uh, your dime. Oh, that's right. It's my dime. I'm paying for it. I'm making my network pay for it. So will you uh, hang tight? Yes, sir, I will. All right, time. Seems to be the subject this morning. Time. Pretty cool, huh? These people sound pretty serious, don't they? Well, maybe I've stumbled into something. I've had alien lines. I've had vampire lines. And they've been good. But nothing, nothing has thus far rivaled the timeline. You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM. From June 13th, 1997. Good one on the line. Can you imagine being out in the middle of nowhere? Having first the FM band disappear. Then the AM band goes. Then the road begins to change. It's not a highway anymore. There's pits and pots. Are you in a different time? Oh, man, what a story. Continued in a moment. What a story. I mean, here you are going down the highway, and the nature of the highway then, after radio's gone, the highway begins to change. Then what? Well, it's, you know, I may have exaggerated on the potholes. The road was cracked, and it was it was still passable, but definitely not at freeway speeds. You know, um, it took me about another hour to get through that, that section, but I slowed down because the road was getting bad, and I just noticed you know, it, it, it was too bad there's there's no way this damage could have been caused by nature alone so i got out and i started looking around and i went probably 30 feet in front of my car when i i noticed the shoulder of the road and it was it was barren sand and i mean dirt and there just there weren't any shrubs around right i couldn't make out any vegetation so i walked out i probably got uh, a quarter of a mile from my car in in front of me in the and, dark well it was a full moon as i said full moon oh well okay so you had some light so i i couldn't tell if there were any animals about i really doubt it but there there just wasn't any vegetation around and and so i got back to my car and i figured i'd turn around but the road behind me was in the same condition and that was the road i'd just come down oh my and that i really didn't get oh my Ah, uh, so so what happened? Well, I I just kind of sat in my car for a little while trying to you know work something out in my mind, and I just thought you know it's no good for me to turn around. Yeah. So I might as well keep going. 
Right. So I, as I said, it took me about an hour to get through eight or nine miles of this road. And uh, along the whole way, it's the same as I explained it. There's just, there wasn't any vegetation around. Nothing. And, and the temperature when I got out of the car, when I had stopped, was much hotter. It was, uh, it was probably 45 degrees the last time I'd noticed. And then when I got out of the car, it was probably 60. I mean, it was a good temperature jump. Right. And then, you know, as, as the time passed and I finally got through that road, it, the road cleared out and the temperature, again, was much colder. I could feel it back to, you know, before all this began. What about the radio? Radio, FM, I still couldn't get anything, but AM, I got back. Wow. What do you think happened to you? I have no idea. I mean, I was in the proximity of, you know, INEL, but I don't think that had anything to do with it. And you swear on all that you can swear on. I do. I had, I didn't go through any fogs like the guys in the boat did. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice, you know, any great flash of light or something. You know, and it, that could have happened. I mean, it was a full moon. I may not have noticed it. But it was, it was really something. And I, I wanted to go back there and see if the road was the same the next day. Well, I didn't want to. <laughs> and you didn't. I did not. Well, that's believable. Because you know what? I sure as hell wouldn't have gone back. And I don't think most people would have. So I tend to believe you. I thank you for the call. Can I ask you one thing? You may, yes, indeed. If, if I were to be down in the area where you broadcast, do you allow people to come in and watch your show live? No, I don't. And the reason I don't is because it's in my home. Oh, hey, okay. I broadcast from my home. That's what I was wondering. You were in sweats when I was on the Internet the other night. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, thank you very much. Everybody's sending me, you know, now that we've got the webcam here, uh, everybody is um, saying, well, you can't do your show in your underwear anymore. Well, I never did my show in my underwear. I always uh, dress up just because, I, you know, I think people who don't work at home think that just because you work at home, uh, suddenly you just, uh, you know, you, you get three or four days of uh, beard growth and you don't tend to yourself anymore. And none of that's true. None of that's true. I still take my shower and freshen up and get in a fresh set of clothes every single day, just like I was going to go to work somewhere else, even though I'm working here at home. So the people who are sending me, gee, no, you can't do it in your underwear anymore, you can stop because I never did. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, Art. Yes. I, I wanted to just make an argument um, against believing in time travel. Okay, well, turn your radio off, uh, and your argument will be more effective. Okay, just, well, it's way in the It'll take just a little time. Okay. I'll, right. I'll wait. Okay, here we go. Um... I believe that that um, in in what Einstein had to say about it, and and I and I believe that um, there are boundaries that are set by God that we just can't pass through. I believe that if you think about it rationally and about the atomic structure of the universe. But how do you know that God has set these boundaries? We are constantly moving through boundaries that you would think God. Would be God's territory, okay. like for I, example, I like it. for example, cloning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Like for example, okay. I 
what I believe is that, you know, that as Einstein said, only light can travel at the speed of light because atomic particles just cannot break through the atomic bond. Well, Einstein, no, no, wait. Einstein suggested that anything that would travel faster than light would, in effect, uh, become universal, would scatter. Well, no, as a matter of fact, um, if you were to, you know, hypothetically travel at the speed of light, you would become as a black hole. You would, you would become so dense. I'm not sure we you know. know that for sure. I mean, look, let's say you were traveling at the speed of light, right? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and you're in your car, mm -hmm. and you turn on your headlights. Well, see, you would become a singularity art. If you if you if you went, you would become like an a, atomic particle. If you were to go the speed of light, atomic particles cannot break those bonds. Well, bounds. there's one little kink in your armor. What? That applies to both time travel and exceeding the speed of light. Let me say to you, I probably agree with you. That, now, that, 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 now wait now. Yeah, Listen to me. Okay, now, now wait, 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 wait. I'll let you talk. I want you to consider something. All right? Yeah. Suppose I were to tell you that you can tra traverse the kinds of distances and uh, travel in time mm -hmm. without exceeding the speed of light. Well, spiritually, I would agree with no, you. No, not spiritually. You know, but no, but you didn't want to talk on that uh -uh, level. Uh -uh. So. Physically. Yeah. No, physically. Now, okay. you, you would ask, how can For you example, do For example, yeah. Suppose you consider time as an unbroken thread moving... Uh, eternally in, into the past and forward, and that you can't do anything with it. Now consider a black hole. Consider the event horizon of a black hole. And consider the density of the uh, uh, the gravitational uh, uh, pull of that black hole. You get near the event horizon, and there is substantial uh, belief, even among physicists, uh, modern, that you could travel, um, in effect, bending time kind of like bending it back on itself and jumping across. Technically, you would not be exceeding the speed of light, but it would appear as though you had, because you'd pop in, uh, you'd go from point A to point B. Poof, like that. I'll have to think about that. Would you do that for me? Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. all right, thank you very much. Um so even if you if you take the view that the speed of light cannot be exceeded, that does not mean that the distances uh, that we're talking about cannot be traversed. It does not mean that time cannot be traveled in. Now, going to my timeline once again, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, Odd Bell. Yes, sir. I'd like to I'd like to save my name and do it off the air so that next time I call back, you'll know that it's me. All right. Okay, my name is... I'm, I'm, I'm already uh, memorizing your voice. Okay. So did we get it off the air? Uh, yeah, yeah, they didn't hear it. Okay, good. Um, I came from 2013. 2013? Yes. I, want, I've, I wanted to call earlier and uh, give you some information, but I had to get in touch with my guide uh, because if I tell too much, it would change the course of things that they were supposed to have happened. Um, and there's a newspaper that I have, which I was given, and I, I'm going to go back after this date. It's June 27th. June 27th. This I, is just uh, June 14th now. Mm -hmm. 
You have a newspaper from June 27th. Yes, and I'm going to read a couple of things here for you uh, from this paper, and I will get in touch with my guide, and I will come back next month. And I'll, if, I, if I have permission, I'll tell you other things, okay? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Just keep a list of these things here, and um, I'll be back in touch. Now, there, next week, uh, there's going to be another sex charge scandal brought against a, a celebrity, a different celebrity this time, not someone who's already had one. Uh, this one involves underage people. Oh, my. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting, without giving too much information, there's also, or frightening anyone for that matter, there's also a transportation tragedy happening. Um, and now, according to this newspaper, this is an ongoing thing, so this also happened uh, sometime before the 27th. A transportation tragedy. Mm -hmm. And um, I heard you mention sports a moment ago. If I, I remember correctly, because I was about 18 years old at the time, uh, the, all of the East Coast teams in 1997 took the victories. Uh, not just the NBA and the IHL, but um, uh, the the Bills won the uh, 1998 Super Bowl, and uh, the baseball when also the baseball uh, uh, World Series also went to the East. Uh, to the East, uh, to an East Coast team, um, I, I, I remember there was a fire somewhere down in Florida that year as well that involved uh, the Coast Guard. It was something near the water that the Coast Guard had to be called in on. And um, a fire in Florida? Yes, it was. It was like a, a large, large hotel right on the water. Uh, a huge tourist attraction spot, and the Coast Guard were called in on that. And um, uh, there were uh, rescues from high floors and so forth. It was a big thing down there in Florida, right on the, right on the Miami shoreline. Uh, that later that year, sometime I believe it was like September of, of this year, uh, late September or late September. Of, I was only 18 years old at the time, and I, I wasn't paying much attention. So to that. nothing will, that you're telling us will create a paradox. No, especially not with my giving names or if uh, you think because a couple of other interesting things did occur uh, later, like by within the next year year or so, um, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar, but, uh, the, for example, there's a suicide um, involving one of the Ramses, and there's a um, Simpson, O.J. Simpson died from a brain tumor, um, and his daughter was involved in a big fire, but she set the fire herself, they, they believe, and, oh and she, she's being treated for mental uh, disturbance, but... Um, those were just some of the things I could remember that you guys would be familiar with right now because everything else I recall, um, you guys haven't even gotten a hint of it yet. America did admit uh, UFO contact in 99, uh, right about this time, as a matter of fact, June 99. And uh, You know what happens? I, I, get, I just flat get tongue-tied when I get somebody like you on the line. Uh, what, about, what about wars? Well, is there going to be a major war? I'm, I'm um, you know, the strange thing is that's one of the things I'm going to have to ask because I, I don't know if I'm, um, I, I'm going to have to ask that. But um, uh, when I call you back next month, all right, you'll know. All right, you've you. given us lots to go on. Thank you very much. Um, wow. <laughs> well, we don't have long to wait to find out about some of this, huh? He was reading and omitting a name from a newspaper days from now. Wow. 
I'm sorry, folks. Uh, sometimes I do things that um, that blow me away. <laughs> it's the nature of the program. See, I did not expect what I'm getting. That's the way it is. Wow. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Um, I, I wanted to call about uh, the caller you had had uh, who talked about Schrodinger. Is that the one of uh, 2055? Uh, who talked about what? Uh, Schrodinger? You uh, mentioned Schrodinger. Schrodinger. I don't remember that. I'm sorry. Um, well, it, um, what is it you want to say? Well, uh, what, what I uh, was kind of uh, amazed at is that he talked about Schrodinger and um, how he had um, kind of invented timelines or whatever. Uh, basically, what Schrodinger uh, did and what he didn't mention was Schrodinger's cat. And I think probably because he knew that um, you really liked cats because Schrodinger killed his cat. And Schrodinger... Um, consistently killed his cat and the reason the way he did that was by putting the cat in a box with a radioactive particle and 50% of the time um, the particle would bounce around the box and hit the cat and kill it and 50% of the time the uh, particle would miss the cat so the cat was always alive and always dead and the only way you could actually kill the cat was by opening the box and viewing it and uh, therefore acting upon it. And there, there, the cat would always be dead. So Schrodinger always killed his cat. And uh, so whenever you think of Schrodinger, you think of the cat, Schrodinger's cat. Wow. Okay. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm going to have to give that quite a bit of thought. Okay, I also wanted to uh, uh, mention, actually, the, the reason that I, I've been trying to call tonight was I, I read a little uh, blurb uh, today and, that uh, talked about... Um, God, you uh, know, that's that, really, when, now, now that I think about it, that's really cruel. Oh, yes. Terribly cruel. Yes, I, I know I have a cat named Emilio, and he would take great umbrage at being used so um, terribly. Yeah. That's disgusting. Anyway. Yes, but um, uh, you're going to have uh, Richard Hoagland on too. Yes, yes, yes. And I and I wish you would ask him this. I, I read this uh, little article in the in the paper today uh, that uh, NASA apparently is going to uh, send up um, a Lockheed uh, Martin rocket in October with 73 pounds of plutonium. I believe that is correct. And this is the same rocket that. Uh, blew up uh, over um, uh, California in 1993? Well, what they always tell you is that it is so well encased and protected that despite the very worst explosion you can imagine, the plutonium would be safe. Now, yeah. that's that's what they say. But the last time... It now, so if, if, if 73 pounds of plutonium actually got loose, it would be really bad. Well, um, um, and it's it's like you know out here in Nevada they're preparing to put all this high level gunk into the ground, mm -hmm. the radioactive waste, and um, 
I don't know, the people, the proponents of doing this have been showing us commercials here in Nevada. I haven't seen one recently, but they ran them for a long time, showing these containers being uh, blown up, dropped out of the back of trucks, dropped from helicopters, and all this kind of stuff to try and convince us how safe it's going to be. You know, to try and sell Nevadans on the idea of having the high-level dump out here. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh-huh. I am highly suspicious uh, of that. And the, these are things that have to be stored for tens of thousands of years. Well, and we can't even plan next year's budget. So well, I don't I, believe I, it. Plus, they never showed a woman kicking the damn thing with high heels. I, I live in Denver, just downwind from um, the Rocky Mountain Arsenal and Rocky Flats. Right. I, I understand it. But what I wanted to quote you is um, troubled NASA Administrator Daniel Golden. Yes. Um, um, so much that he would cancel the program if it were not so important to planetary science. Now, I do not understand how sending a, a 72 pounds of plutonium has anything whatsoever to do with planetary science. Well, it's required... Um they're going to suggest for the mission. In other words, they need that uh, uh, that kind of uh, power, a long uh, long term power pack. But I thought I thought it was cargo, not power. Um, no, I think the uh, plutonium is used for to power the craft or as part of the power uh, system for the craft. Oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. She's right. I think it's Cassini. Isn't the mission Cassini? I'm not certain about that, but I believe it is 72 pounds of plutonium. Can you imagine that? But it'll be okay. Because nothing can go wrong. Nothing. Nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong. The trip back in time continues with Art Bell hosting Coast to Coast AM. More Somewhere in Time coming up. about time we did that again. That's Maria. Desert is a wonderful place. Wonderful. Noticed. Uh, actually, I got a message that my little camcorder or camcorder cam uh, setup was not transferring to the FTP server for about an hour or something. So, sorry about that. I think I've got it going again now. I just sent a totally ridiculous photograph. Actually, I might as well get them all out of the way. Everybody's waiting for a nice ridiculous photograph that they can blackmail me with. So, you know, <laughs> might get them out of the way right now. Um, I'm going to read you uh, something here, and I'm just going to read it because I think it should be read. Do not take this as gospel, okay? 
Uh, just take it as somebody making a prediction. It says, Art, California will experience a 6.5 earthquake in the Mammoth Lakes area at 7.36 a.m. Saturday morning. This will trigger volcanic activity and the start of the most violent and seismically active period in the state's recorded history. Tremors will precede this event and will be located in Baja. Signed, Bo. Now, that would be uh, not long from now, so we don't have long to wait to see if it is true. Uh, the Mammoth Lakes area. Uh, Bo is nobody that I know of. It's just that it's so short-term and so specific that I thought I would read it to you. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Uh, in fact, I have no idea who Bo is, but I'm just sort of reading it so that it is recorded, you know, just in case, that kind of deal. So if you're sitting out there, I wouldn't get unduly concerned. On the other hand, if it occurs, we can recall back and remember the name Bo. On the first time caller line, no, the timeline, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Do you have a question to ask me? Well, are you a time traveler? Uh, yes, I am a time traveler, as you asked me when you were screening the calls, yes. Yes, and uh, where have you traveled from? The Middle Ages, year 1061. I am part of a group led by a person by the name of Hannibus. Hannibus? Correct. Not cannabis, but no. Hannibus. Uh, Hannibus built a machine or what? Hannibus built a machine, that's correct, and he has traveled up to the year around 2014. I stopped at this point. Why did you choose, uh, just out of curiosity, why would you choose 1997? Uh, because I've just been jumping around uh, the timeline, and I haven't visited this year yet, so I decided to uh, give it a try and see what's happening. To experience us like a fine wine. Correct. Mm -hmm. What do you think so far? Well, first of all, I think this technology that's happening, for everything from... Uh, the advanced systems such as space shuttles traveling into outer space all the way down to user levels such as the internet is absolutely amazing and way past uh, my level of understanding definitely do you feel um out of place i do not feel out of place because i think the interactive level between people in other words uh, you can speak to people on the same level. I don't think that technology has transformed the human component, but the material uh, objects surrounding me are uh, definitely um, not easy to use, to say the least, mm -hmm. and not familiar. Toasters, telephones. Telephones, radio, etc. Television, uh, especially. Um, Everything from, uh, well, tonight I was watching the basketball game on television, the NBA Finals. Uh, sport is something that is common in our uh, mm -hmm. time. Not on, a, not on a little box, though. Not on a little box. And the sport of basketball is of most intriguing. And the thing that awestruck me was the crowd and the, uh, the surrounding. It's not just uh, two guys playing in a field. It's a spectacle. And they're out there to... Uh... And you know about spectacles because that's what you used to have. Yes. Right? 
Well, I, I, I appreciate your point of view, and you're the first one who has come to us from the past, way in the past, as a matter of fact. Spectacle. That would be the word. Now, I don't view basketball as a spectacle. To me, it's boring. I've always felt that way about basketball. Most basketball games appear to be, as far as I can tell, decided in the last minutes of the game. And basically, squeak, 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 up and down the court they go, up and down the court they go, and back and forth and back and forth, and the score is very close, and they get a basket, and the other side gets a basket. They get a basket, the other side gets a basket. And it's just sort of a repetitive, nonsensical thing to me. But I understand that a lot of people truly love basketball, and so I don't really want to step on toes. I'm just saying from my point of view... It's nonsensical. You want to talk about a sport, talk about football. Talk about the NFL. Talk about bone crunching. Talk about a real sport. Not some namby... Anyway. That's, that's my feeling about it. But I, that, that's what I enjoy. I like the NFL, and, uh, and so I can certainly understand that other people, you know, different strokes. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. It is Curtis from San Diego. Hey. Man, there's a lot of time travelers I didn't know about listening to your show. <laughs> there's a lot of time travelers I didn't know about listening to my program. It's amazing, I tell you. Well, uh, it shows what you can stumble into, eh? <laughs> I just, uh, I'm going to have to obviously do it again. I mean, I have not even scratched the surface of the timeline. I tell you. Hey, I, I don't want to talk about that. I wanted to talk about Timothy McVeigh. I, uh, I don't understand. What pisses me off really bad is... Why do we have to go through like a five-year appeals process to to finally put him to death? When like in night, I was watching a History Channel today, well, and they did a. You got to give him some appeal rights. Well, but they, the guy that shot at President Roosevelt and ended up killing the governor or the mayor or somebody back in the twenties. Yeah. It only took him thirty-three days, and they electrocuted him. And that was. I mean, if he's guilty, he's guilty. And I, I don't understand. We're going to have to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. I know. It's amazing. I know. It wasn't what our founding fathers intended. Probably not. I, I, I frequently wondered if our founding fathers, some of them, could come forward in time and take a good look around 1997, look oh, at the judicial system and so forth and so on. They're rolling in their graves. Um, well, I mean, if they could come out of their graves. I mean, long enough to take a look around whether they would say, you guys lost it, we we had it and you lost it, is that what they would say? Or Probably. would they say, or would they say, uh, you know, I mean, there are positive things they could look at. They could look at the Internet. They could look at the fact that we have allowed things to occur that could only occur, even though we don't like them in a democracy, a representative democracy that they envisioned the burning of the flag, even horrible as it is, yeah. uh, they would say, my God, you really did, um, you really did create freedom. Or, well, or yeah. they, or they might say, you have perverted the entire concept of, of what we wanted. Be gone with you. Well, they, they, uh, used to have public hanging back then too and that was a reason there was a reason for public hanging i think it 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 uh 
made people really think when after church on Sunday, at potluck dinner, then they hung the people that murdered and and all that kind of crazy stuff. And people and children and wives and husbands looked at that and saw, hey, that man had to get hung because he killed somebody. Yeah. And it was really, it really stuck in your mind that you shouldn't do things like that. Well, that that presumes that there is a deterrent uh, and begs the question of whether we ought to televise uh, executions. Now they just put a, a needle in your arm and they go to you sleep. Know, the modern the modern day equivalent would be televising the execution, but. Uh, there wouldn't be much drama, as you point out, in uh, watching somebody strapped on a table, getting a shot, and closing their eyes. But I am not a proponent of state-sponsored or federally-sponsored torture either. I'm an absolute uh, supporter of the death penalty. I mean absolute. But I see no reason for the state or the federal government to torture people. Because then we, then you give weight to the argument that we really are doing the same thing that they have done. The punishment is the removal of life, not the slow, torturous removal of life. Uh, and if that's what it is, then what separates us from those who have done some terrible thing? So I want that separation. Does that seem clear? It may seem a small distinction, but in my mind, it's a big one. On my timeline, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, Art. Hello. Oh, I'm on the air. Yes, oh, on my timeline, so that means you've got to be a time traveler. Yes, I am time traveler. You are. Well, yes. turn your radio off. Okay. Right. Uh, well, actually, I, I, my time traveling uh, only occurred one time, and that was back in uh, in the early 70s till up to about six months ago. And uh, it was through, began at MIT, the experiment at MIT in the Department of Defense. A secret black budget experiment? Yes. No doubt. And you were the, what, a student volunteer or? I was a child, actually. You were a child? Yes. And how did you, where where did you travel to? I traveled up to, uh, excuse me, <laughs> till, uh about six months ago. It was just one, uh, see, the country was hitting on a timeline. Okay, wait a minute. You were in what year? I came forward to 1997. I understand that. Uh, but and what? this is, happened about 1970. 19- during the Nixon administration. Wow, really? Yes. A very turbulent time. I remember that. And you, and you were in 1970. And, and how did you get into this MIT time experiment? Well, it, it kind of follows uh, a line of prophecy. Prophecy, and we went from uh, from just uh, a two-dimensional prophecy thing to into a three-dimensional prophecy, where we actually walked walked in the future. But people couldn't see us visually, but we could do things physically, like touch somebody and they would feel it. Oh, you'd be regarded as a poltergeist or something then. Yes, I mean if that's what people would assume. Uh so you're telling me. That right now, if I were to be with you, I could not see you. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, actually, I, I went into the future and saw like where I would be, my children, etc., and what the world would be like if we took that timeline. If we stayed in course we were going, 
As far as into Vietnam, we would have been in a total nuclear war with the Soviet Union. Well, we certainly uh, considered that at the time, so it's not out of the question that in another timeline that could have occurred. Well, it would have occurred if we hadn't made some changes. Would have occurred. And and we're, we need to make some changes now, too, or we're heading for more trouble, but I don't know. I, yeah, I could explain it to you, but it would take hours. But I just wanted to say that time travel is possible, but it's not. A, it wasn't in a machine. Well, again, uh, if I were to be adjacent to you right now, mm -hmm. I would not see you. Is that so correct? You may see uh, like a glimpse, like you may see, you know, like sometimes you something goes by, it catches your eye, but you look and there's nothing Catch there. Catch it out of the corner of you, yeah, sure. That is how, because I actually saw myself, I, I caught a glimpse of myself go by six months ago. I saw myself go by wow. five years ago, but it was really? a glimpse of a shadow. And then my past person went upstairs and saw my kids and actually gave one of them a whack in the butt. And that's when, and the kid felt it. And that's when I was, you know, as as my old self, that's kind of, I was amazed that she could feel me, that she felt it. But. That is absolutely astounding. I, I want to thank you very much for calling. We're getting get, beginning to get woefully short on time here. Sorry. But, you know, I've always thought that, that if you could travel in time, you might not be able to be seen. And yet, he said, you could get a glimpse or there could be a physical touch. <sighs> Fascinating. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Good morning, Art Bell, and I am visible. Oh, all right, a visible person. <laughs> I am visible. I am here in this present time. All right, what's a week without the Antichrist? Or a book about the Antichrist? And I've run across one that is extremely interesting. It's called The Story of B by Daniel Quinn. Have you ever heard of it? It was just released back in November or December. I've heard of The Story of O. No, I thought of that, too. <laughs> but this one actually has its own website. An Antichrist with his own website? Well, it's about the book, and the book is about the Antichrist and the Jesuit order that is out to destroy the Antichrist wherever he or she may appear. www.666.com Do you want the website? No. Well, you can hit your... You know, first-time caller line when I give it to you, because I'd love for you to check it out, and that way you don't have to read the whole 325 pages of the book. www.satan.com No, it's capital B. No, don't give it out. <laughs> don't give it out. Well, let's put it this way. I don't, I don't have the access to the Internet, nor will I ever. I don't even want to touch that darn thing. www.downunder.com <laughs> No, not quite. Yeah. But... The whole premise of it is, is that Christ came to save souls. If the wait a minute, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. www.artbell.com. Not quite close. <laughs> but uh, the Antichrist would be coming to save the world, the Earth. Yeah, well, that that would be and that would be the story. Well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm getting at, Art. This thing has so much logic in it, it is scary. I mean, it's frightening. 
And that's why... No, I, I don't want to send people there. I wouldn't send people there. Well, no. What I'm saying is the concept of the book just makes too much sense. And it, the whole thing basically comes down to the great forgetting. That's the premise of the whole book. Up until about 10,000 years ago when man started totalitarian agriculture. That's intriguing. The great forgetting. that's what caused the overpopulation because the more food, the more people. You, you know, you, you put two mice in a cage. Yeah. And you give them enough food for four days. Green glowing mice, no and doubt. And you double the, you double the food every day. Yeah. All right? And eventually you've got 200 mice. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got 64,000 mice. Yep. Because you keep adding, you double the food every day without fail. And then, quite simply, once you start taking it, the food away, all of a sudden the population stops, starts dropping back down. Not to mention all that mice sex. Well, that and all the mess that they leave behind. But I mean, if listen, can... I, I, I'm leaving behind. I've got to leave you behind because my program is beginning to end. Well, Art, I just wanted to say thank you very much. This week has been one of the most exciting that I've had in a long while. Combined with this book, please check out that website. All right, uh, www. We're not telling you. Um, Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Glenn. In Merced, California. How you doing, Glenn? Very good. I just want to say you had an excellent show tonight, and uh, you should do that timeline a little bit more often. Well, I just thought it up. Huh. Well, I'll tell you, I guess that's why you run the show. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, and uh, take care. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. KHVH, Honolulu. This is Joe Art. Hey, Joe. Great show. Great show, as usual. How are the islands this morning? It's beautiful. Stars are shining. The cosmos, the uh, Milky Way is out there, and uh, we're still discovering new things every day. Yep, and uh, so it shall be. Uh, so it is written. So it shall be done. Yes. Um, listen, we're going to start beginning next week, one hour earlier. Uh, so you might give me a call and let me know what happens in Hawaii next week. I'll be do I'll be doing that. Listen to you every night. All right, you're going to get the honors then from uh, Coconutville. Coconutville, from the Aloha State, out in the mid-Pacific and the high desert. Aloha, good night, peace to the world. Well done. That's it, folks. That's it. Next week, everything shifts an hour earlier. It's time, you know. Good night. Good night.